Hello, everyone, and welcome to Millennial Rewind, where we take a not-so-sentimental look at the movies and TV shows that were around when millennials were growing up. I'm your host, Nick, coming to you from the terrible blonde actress's capital of the world, Los Angeles, California. And joining me here in the City of Angels is my co-host, Jules. Jules, how are you doing today? I'm feeling kind of tired. I was up all night smashing eggs in Madison Square Garden, (laughs) you know. Left kind of a mess. Uh yeah, I saw I saw you in the news. It was uh it was a very weird news report. And joining us from the pile of rotting fish used to lure out radioactive lizards of Southern California, the Inland Empire, is my other co-host John. John, what's happening? I'm just pleasantly amazed at how no one is amazed and totally calm about the idea of a male getting pregnant. <laughs> Yeah, that's, uh, as far as we know, Godzilla is not trans. It is amazingly (laughs) casual in this movie. Uh, Before we get started, if you like what you hear today, please do us a favor and hit that subscribe button. Also, be sure to share the show with anyone you think might like to listen as well. So we watched... The 1998 Godzilla movie. Oh, my God. And, John, how would you tell someone you watched this piece of shit without using the title? I would just give them my absolute certainty. I can guarantee, beyond a shadow of a doubt, no, this is, in fact, not Gojira. (laughs) No, no. Keep his name out of your mouth. Despite what this movie might try to tell you. It is not. And Jules, if the producers had asked you to come up with a different title for this piece of shit, what would it be? That would be Stealthzilla, <laughs> Slow Tango in New York City. <laughs> yeah, this motherfucker, Nat 20s, his goddamn stealth check every fucking time. Like, he's the size of a skyscraper, but can just, like, tunnel and nobody fucking hears him. It's nuts man oh man sneaking up on helicopters it's really he's got this entire ocean surrounding an island but this is an island he can hide in because there's millions of people that live there for some reason (laughs) we know he went through jamaica okay we're jumping ahead (laughs) we're jumping ahead we're jumping ahead we we will we will get into the breakdown i know there's so much bullshit there's so much goddamn bullshit But before we get to the bullshit, we have a we have a, a formula to uphold. So guys, uh He couldn't tunnel in the other island. <laughs> I can't help it. It's too dumb. So guys, what was your experience watching this back in nineteen ninety-eight? Oh, I saw this in the cinema. This was like a, a big blockbuster. Yeah, me too. And and I admit <laughs> that after Batman and Robin, this movie is probably my second secret shame growing up because I actually liked it when it came out. <laughs> it was it was like Jurassic Park light, you know, <laughs> which was for my overly sensitive disposition that appealed to me. But just like like beers, after a few sips, you realize that this is stupid, meaningless, and lacks any kind of substance. <laughs> and you really wouldn't miss it if it didn't exist. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, John, you you also saw it in the theaters? Yeah. Loved Independence Day. We knew that movie was kind of sloggy, but it's a lot of fun. And so we were excited for this one. It's Godzilla by the same director. And man, we were laughing our asses off. You're not supposed to. The, the movie's supposed to be cheesy, but that's not where you laugh. And we weren't laughing then. Very much, as, as Jules said, it's it tries to be Jurassic Park. It's a really, really bad diet version. <laughs> oh my god! And it was recognized as such at the time. Just it's oh my god. But I forgot 
how boring this movie is. This was so difficult to get through rewatching it nowadays. I couldn't. It's it's the worst kind of bad movie in which it leaves you bored. I was excited thinking it was like, all right, here comes third act and we're going to be wrapping it up. And I've got over an hour of this shit left. Seriously. They could have cut 40 minutes and it would have still been too long. Yeah. We were discussing this about how all Godzilla movies made by Hollywood seem to be trash. Even though they have great actors, like Jean Renault is in this. <laughs> yeah. And he's just got absolutely nothing to work with. And as tradition goes with the new, reboot of godzilla they put brian cranston in and give him absolutely nothing to work with <laughs> the humans are the worst parts of godzilla movies I, I also saw this in movie theaters this was definitely down in south africa again i probably enjoyed it i seem to recall enjoying it i don't think it was my favorite thing in the world yeah i mean it eventually gained this grand reputation for being a giant piece of shit and re-watching it years later well earned well-earned reputation for being a piece of shit. This movie is so unremarkable, I forgot Jean Renault was even in it. <laughs> I, rem I remembered Broderick, and I remembered uh, least threatening person ever, Kevin Dunn, but I did not remember <laughs> Jean Renault. <laughs> it's because of this movie that I thought Matthew Broderick was a terrible, terrible actor. <laughs> well, I mean, we grew up with Matthew Broderick doing this and Inspector Gadget. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I am so, I am so happy for my age gap now because uh, my Matthew Broderick was Ferris Bueller. Exactly. When I I saw Ferris Bueller after this, and I said, "Okay, this guy can act," and found out later, of course, that he was in The Lion King as Simba. Oh, but... and I say, and don't forget, adult Simba. Yeah. yeah. But it was. But I genuinely thought Matthew Broderick was a terrible actor because of this movie. Yeah, I mean. He was given nothing and did nothing with it. <laughs> and what's crazy is, do you, so he's got his name, like he's got his crazy ass name, Greek name. Do you know where they got his crazy ass Greek name from? Of course I do. Who? Patrick Totopoulos, the VFX and creature designer. He also did the designs for Independence Day and like the aliens and the ships and stuff. Yeah, he did the Godzilla. I will say, I like how this Godzilla looks. I think it looks fine. I think it looks... I think it's a neat creature design. It's a cool monster, but it's not Godzilla. No. It's a cool dinosaur monster looking thing, but it is not Godzilla. Uh, they originally had Stan Winston do earlier versions of this. So they got the rights to this like in the early 90s, the producers, and they were really working on Toho, or the, the I think that's the name of the Japanese company that owns... Yeah, that's the company that created and owns Godzilla. Right. And it took them years to get them to agree to it. They finally did. It went through a lot of rewrites, eventually landed with Roland Emmerich. No one blows up America like Roland Emmerich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What did we do to fucking Roland Emmerich except invade his country in the 1940s and established a <laughs> broken, I don't know, broken, like a divided nation that was in the center of the Cold War? What did we ever do to you, Roland? You have to admit, though, he, he does keep finding new landmarks to blow up. Yeah. Like, what else is there? <laughs> Well, I don't want to linger on this anymore, so let's take a break. Oh, I am so excited for this to be over with. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we are going <laughs> to break down the bloviated mess that is Godzilla. Audrey? Is that you? It's good to see you again, Nick. How have you been? Oh, I've been great. I've been studying earthworms in high-risk radioactive zones, but now I'm on a team chasing Godzilla. So, 
Yeah, I'm moving up in the world. How about you? How you been doing? Oh, I'm a totally legit reporter. Is there any chance you could let me in the restricted area and share some classified information with me? I swear, I won't tell. Of course. How else am I ever going to get you to see the shrine? Uh, the shrine? Yeah, I built a shrine just for you. After we broke up all that time ago in college, I decided I needed to put your pictures up everywhere I went. Come on, it's it's really not that weird at all. Uh, that's very weird. And after being harassed by my boss, I really don't feel like taking any more risks. I mean, it was like a few hours ago. All right. I guess that makes sense. Now, probably for the best anyway. I've been exposed to so much radiation. Last week alone, I'm pretty sure I'm sterile. Whew, we dodged a bullet there. That's hurtful. I'm literally shooting blanks over here. Oh, oh I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to go home and cry about boys. You know what, strong 90s woman? You earned that ice cream. <laughs> I'm getting chunky monkey. We just went over this. <laughs> I could slip you my banana, but... <laughs> And we're back, and we're going to open up to some uh, sepia tone maps and island views and the French national anthem playing in the background. Oh, <laughs> uh, there's just going to be lots of like cuts between lizards and nuclear stuff going on and a British jet fighter from the 50s. I don't. <laughs> yes, because these are the French conducting nuclear tests. So makes perfect sense. The British would be there, right? Yeah. To have a Canberra fighter jet. Yeah. My note here is our oh, nuclear power. It's it's the second most awesome force the planet has ever seen. So everything should be fine. Right, Dr. Malcolm? <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's, it's behind genetic manipulation. We established this. <laughs> so we get a countdown in French and we get a nuclear explosion intercut with the most startled looking lizards I've ever seen. Just like, <laughs> yes, they are. Just very startled slash confused lizards. And so clearly they get nuked. It's, isn't it to the music of Batman Forever as well? It's very similar. It's weirdly similar. <laughs> sure. Why not? Just expect Batman to crash through the ceiling at any point. Glass flying. Would have made the movie better. Would have made the movie way the fuck better. <laughs> uh, so we see one surviving egg, and this is hinted to be the Godzilla egg. And then cut to the best job in the world uh, on a ship. Uh, just a guy eating ramen and watching TV. Like, I, I want to get that fucking job. And we know he's Japanese because he's watching sumo wrestling, aside from the fact that he's clearly Japanese. Exactly. <laughs> Because that's all the Japanese watch is sumo wrestling. There's there's no such thing as anime. Kind of wanted him to be watching Seinfeld. Seinfeld in chat dubbed in Japanese. I'd like to see that. <laughs> I'd like to see that. Uh, but this is a, a fishing ship. You see, like, fish getting cut up. And, you know, it's one of those. And uh, Ramen Dude sees uh, some big fucking thing on the sonar coming right for them. And he, like, raises the alarm. You gotta love how the controls on this Japanese ship are in English. <laughs> you know, this control panel, all the, the instrumentation is in English because, you know. It's, it's in the International Maritime Law book, right? That everything has to be in English just in case you're making a movie. Exactly. You don't want grandma in Oklahoma to be confused <laughs> by what's going on. The sailors are really scared. They're kind of hanging out near the bulkhead and then... 
giant claws come in, slash, grab one guy out, ship starts to sink, tail smacks into the bridge, and then some old Japanese dude goes outside and he gets a good look at what's attacked them, but we don't see it just yet. And um, I would like to put an additional note here real fast, because this, uh, this old uh, Japanese guy is the chef. And he's sleeping with his knives because they all crash down around him, around his bunk. That's very, yes, yes. Um, why does he sleep with his knives? Because he's the chef. Jules just told you that. Yeah, it's not like there's a galley, which would make much more fucking sense. Anyways, I mean, there is, but it says galley, and obviously they're not reading English. So It's true. It's true. They don't know where they are on the ship. So my question is, for you guys. So Godzilla, like the motivation is clearly that Godzilla wants to just eat the fish on the ship, right? Mm-hmm. Apparently. Apparently, yeah. I think that's the only reason. And isn't there, aren't there, isn't there fish in the oceans or like whales and shit that he could eat that don't require the energy expenditure of slashing a fucking metal ship apart? But they have already caught so many fish and consolidated it into one area. It's dumb. <laughs> Lizard brain. Enormous lizard brain. <laughs> I do like the sound the sound effect that they do for him underwater, but then it gets so overused that it starts getting irritating as the movie goes on. My brain just apparently rejected uh remembering that. I it's just sort of was not giant whale like sound effect. It's <laughs> uh, so now we get Matthew Broderick singing an on-the-nose song in the rain, listening to Singing in the Rain while driving through the rain. Why is he wearing headphones in his car? Like, isn't there a fucking tape deck or something? (laughs) Because he's going to be getting out to play with electricity in the middle of a rainstorm. Yeah, he drives into Chernobyl, and I love this. <laughs> like, literally, the Chernobyl exclusion zone. He drives through this fence, and there's signs telling you that it's Chernobyl. But my favorite little detail here is that if you read what it says in Ukrainian, it says Chernobyl, Ukraine. Just in case you had forgotten which fucking country you were in, they're going to let you know. And then uh, he proceeds to electrocute earthworms. <laughs> To, like, get them to come out of the ground. That's how you want to introduce the hero of your movie, is uh, you torture small animals. That's the first thing they do, while singing a light-hearted, jaunty tune, to uh, clarify that he's... Yeah, so now we're immediately on his side. An absolute yes. sociopath. <laughs> just doesn't give a shit about worms. Um, also, by the way, in case you hadn't read the signs on the road, you get, the like, this green text from the 90s. Like, Jag used it a lot. Like, this digital green text at the bottom also letting you know that you're in Chernobyl. <laughs> and so while he's getting those, like, electric rods to, you know, put in the ground and shock some worms, we see that he's a psycho fucking crazy person because he's got pictures of his ex-girlfriend from college from eight years ago just in a goddamn trunk. Exactly. I put, this is a depiction of a perfect sociopath, right? <laughs> Torturing small animals in a shrine to his ex-girlfriend. Great start to the movie. Loving this dude. Loving him. Um, And then he gets interrupted by a helicopter landing. This is not going to shock anybody, but this is not a Russian slash Soviet helicopter. This is a very old <laughs> American helicopter. It is a P I, I, I did a, went down a fucking rabbit hole to find this cause I had recognized it. I knew it was an American helicopter. This is a Piasecki H 21. This is an old, they, they got retired in the sixties. Like this hasn't even been in us service. 
for decades. Another question for you guys for this is, why is the Ukrainian military giving rides to the U.S. State Department? Because they predicted the war that's happening right now? It's a little early. <laughs> it's a little early for the, the, the current war. But yeah, so Glenn Morshauer, who's just great I and so severely much. underutilized in this film. Look, as much as I love Kevin Dunn, I think Glenn Morshauer should have been the Colonel character, he would have been much more suited for it. Yeah, I've often seen him as like a, a Colonel, usually a military man, that sort of thing, in a lot of stuff. Is he ever not? He was uh, Secret Service in 24. Yeah, but that's still pretty close. Like, police officer, Secret Service. But no, I was pausing just to answer my own question. <laughs> yes, he does when he shows up on Baywatch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Shit. Stop teasing us with Baywatch. We got so many other things to get through. No, everything is Baywatch. How dare you? This was way back in season two when we still had Eddie and Shawnee on the team, and Eddie found an abandoned baby underneath his tower and had wacky hijinks caring for it for the whole episode. And then this dude showed up to claim it at the end. It's a little more complicated than that, but I'll leave it there. Yeah, so Glenn Morshauer has come to tell Matthew Broderick that uh, he's being reassigned. And Matthew Broderick works for, like, a federal nuclear agency. Not the military. Not the military. <laughs> and the State Department isn't the military. So under under what fucking authority does Glenn Morshauer, like, come in there and say, you have been reassigned? Power of government. Right. Um, and this movie thinks it's really funny that people have a hard time pronouncing Matthew Broderick's character's name. His, <laughs> na his character's name is Nick... Metopolis. My note is this mispronouncing his name shtick is already annoying, and I really hope they don't repeat it too often. Yeah, uh, they're going to repeat it several times, and I'm not going to point <laughs> it out every time because it's dumb every single time. Well, I have some great news for you, Jules. I mean, well, great news for me watching you suffer, but it's still great news <laughs> one way or the other. Um, so now we are in Tahiti where we get an unsubtitled scene in French. Like we just don't, they don't give a fuck about us understanding what's going on. Uh, Jean Renault and his, his, French Secret Service buddies come in. It's weird. Is it's not subtitled now on streaming, but it was subtitled when the movie was released. I don't get it. That's so weird. So somebody clearly forgot to put the subtitles back. Yeah, in. I think this is a Netflix. <laughs> yeah, Netflix goofed this. Yeah, so he comes in, and like I understand it just enough, Reg, where he comes. Uh, Jean Renault tells somebody to make them leave, and apparently French Secret Service agents have the authority to make Tahitian doctors leave their own patients I'm, I'm surprised you haven't leapt on this radiation sickness scene is brought to you by lexus <laughs> i did not realize that this radiation sickness scene was brought to you by lexus yeah so speaking of radiation sickness one of the french guys whips out a geiger counter nobody's bothered by the fact that this old dude is radioactive it's the old guy the guy in bed is the old japanese dude from the ship just setting off the geiger account nobody's alarmed by this nobody's gonna wear any personal protective equipment <laughs> nope neither was matthew broderick at fucking chernobyl <laughs> part of the reason that he was gathering worms was testing them and their the effects radiation had on him he had a little guy or everything going then too no one gives a shit about radiation in this movie yeah unless you're a worm or a lizard from the south pacific like you are not affected by radiation in this fucking movie universe <laughs> and by affected we mean eh you get bigger the old japanese dude is just saying godzilla gojira in the proper japanese jean reno really as actors go i still smile that he's in this movie because he's still 
commits to it really well. He does. He's a pro. And he just starts waving a lighter in front of this old Japanese dude. Like, I don't know what he... Yeah, my note is, why is Jean Renault threatening to set this sick old man on fire? <laughs> he's clearly, like, just not responsive. He's just trying to get some attention. Jeez. So Matthew Broderick now gets flown in a... Hang on, I'm just gonna check my notes here. A military seaplane, because apparently helicopters don't exist in this fucking well they do they just decided not to fly him in on a helicopter uh so he could land right by the site they want to have him land on a seaplane so they can get him on a dock so he has to walk by a gaggle of reporters even when Morshower picked him up he's like oh no 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 you gotta you gotta come with us but this this is our ride we got got a fucking plane coming Uh, he gets met by Colonel Kevin Dunn I mean he's got a character name I'm just gonna call him Kevin Dunn because he's Kevin Dunn god damn it so we learn that uh, Matthew Broderick he's a member of the Nuclear Regulatory Council and that he's been studying as we've been mentioning earthworms in Chernobyl like their growth so cleanups aren't his specialty like why do you have me here cleanups aren't my specialty and again because nobody that is a human is affected by radiation the soldiers that are looking around the area that the military's involved with they're not wearing any ppe either they've got a geiger counters going off and they're just like in their regular uniforms and some of them have metal detectors for some reason i guess those are the troops that (laughs) didn't get to have a geiger counter yeah strapped to leaf blowers like backpacks (laughs) like what the fuck what is this i think it's very safe to say that no one in the target audience for this movie has any idea what the fuck any of this equipment is to begin with so no no this is not aimed towards the scientifically literate <laughs> or hobbyist crowd <laughs> but yeah so a bunch of them have proton packs for <laughs> god this movie would have been so much better fighting ghost godzilla the sequel we all deserve <laughs> we deserve that sequel <laughs> so yeah so instead of telling matthew broderick why he's there kevin dunn just leaves him in a fucking footprint if i'm supposed to study anything i need specimens and he's like well there's your specimen right there like Look around. You'll figure it out. I gotta say, this footprint is clearly left behind by um, Scooby-Doo villains. Exactly. Yeah, I was gonna say, this. it's like perfectly evenly distributed. Like, Godzilla was wearing flip-flops when he made this footstep. Someone had their amazing cookie cutter to carve out a dinosaur footprint shape to... I don't know, scare away the construction crews so they could re-get that insurance money. (laughs) Also, I'm calling bullshit that nobody saw Godzilla walking around on this fucking island. Like, go fuck yourself. Stealthzilla, man. Stealthzilla. I get we're on, like, a remote tropical island, but he's a big motherfucker with nothing, like, hiding him. Somebody saw Godzilla. Like, fuck off. (laughs) Why do they keep thinking Godzilla's invisible? I... (laughs) He's like the predator. He's got a cloaking field. Exactly. Godzilla's in the trees. (laughs) Let me tell you that this movie gave me absolutely no nightmares at all. (laughs) If you get nightmares from this movie, you are too fragile for this world. (laughs) This movie now gives me nightmares, but it's more of due to the fact that it exists. (laughs) (laughs) So we meet redhead scientist lady and her goofy sidekick other these people don't fucking matter like why are they in the movie they don't do anything in this fucking movie that was gonna be my note too i seem to remember this character has no effect on the plot whatsoever she does one thing she does literally one thing she is a redhead herring that's that's uh (laughs) (laughs) fantastic (laughs) love that (laughs) 
But somehow these characters warranted being brought back for the cartoon series. Fuck out of here. I seem to remember the cartoon series actually being okay. Did I misremember that? I don't know, because I never watched it. I just kind of remembered it existing, so I looked it up in preparation for this, and it's Matthew Broderick's character, but played by Ian Ziering, famous now for Sharknado series, (laughs) as him and this crew of scientists team up with one of Godzilla's offspring to go fight monsters, which kind of sounds awesome. It it was. I seem to remember it being quite good. And even the mayor came back. And so did the love interest, except she was portrayed better in the animated show than she was in this movie. I mean, that's not hard, though. That's not hard, yeah. She's (laughs) terrible in this movie. I really don't know the actress from anything, but this movie is... Well, I mean, like you said, it convinced you that Matthew Matthew Broderick was shit as well, so... See, the only, I didn't see that cartoon. The only Godzilla, there was an old school Godzilla cartoon from like the 60s that was on reruns on Cartoon Network. And whenever they needed Godzilla, they like pushed the red button and they called him and he would come out of the ocean. And (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, we got to make a meme out of that. I am absolutely not surprised by this. (laughs) It was probably terrible, but I loved it as a kid. And it was just like, the the solution was always just call Godzilla. Like, why are you fucking around? Why is this even a question? Like, just call Godzilla. That sounds amazing. (laughs) By the way, is it just me or like when they originally introduce this redheaded scientist, they introduce her as a blind character and then forget that they introduced her as a blind character? Like she's got her sunglasses on. She doesn't turn to face him. She just shakes his hand off to the side, doesn't make like direct eye contact with him. And I'm like, okay, she's blind. Cause I totally forgotten this movie. I'm like, okay, she's blind. And then she's just like walking around normally later. And I'm just like, oh, you forgot that you introduced a blind character. Cool. This movie has amnesia. I just took it as smug because she kind of has the who the hell are you notion, which everyone greets Matthew Broderick with for some reason. They're like, Here's the specialist we brought in. <laughs> specialist? Fuck, Fuck this guy. Yeah. But she does get a lady boner for him, so that's nice. She does. God, the women in this movie only exist to be sexually attracted to Matthew Broderick. <laughs> well, no, the wife uh, stereotypes. Well, right, yeah, the, the, the New Jersey wife, Hank Azaria's wife that will be later, yeah. But her job is to just cheerlead her husband or like be the shrew. It's it's dumb. Like ter- this is this movie like is not great with its female characters. <laughs> you don't have to add anything after the word great, no matter what topic we're we're saying. Just this movie is not great. <laughs> Redundant verbiage, my bad. So they talk about the the ship attack and oh god, this does the Batman and Robin thing with security footage. Now the security footage room of a facility is surprisingly the same angle as the scene we saw the fucking <laughs> it's, the, it's the same angle and why is there's no security cameras in that room what the fuck is this it's so stupid doesn't this security footage also have a zoom function yeah apparently it's, it's not even grainy it's literally movie footage that they're looking yeah, at it's the same thing we just saw the shot of Jean Renault waving the lighter in front of the old Japanese dude we just saw this shot <laughs> and so we meet quirky blonde X I just call her blonde X that that's just all she is <laughs> sorry my spine's twisting right now just describing her yeah it's it's she, it, this is one of the most cringy characters i have i've encountered in cinema so she yeah she is works at a news station it's a blonde ex of matthew broderick uh she works at a local news station and just 
despite her friend's advice, she's going to go talk to Harry Shearer. Simpsons. The Sim- oh, my God. This movie has like half the cast of The Simpsons in it. <laughs> Harry Shearer, who's a news anchor and wants to ask, you know, ask him about getting promoted. And he's like, yeah, why don't we discuss this over dinner at your place? We all know what he's trying to do. And she's like, no, but you're married. Well, it's your choice. It's basically like, fuck me and get the promotion or don't fuck me and stay my assistant. It's important to establish that it's the fact that he's married. That is the reason why she disagrees to this. <laughs> not the fact that she's... Yeah, not the fact that this is just sexual harassment and like... That is an important distinction, yeah. And illegal and immoral and all that. It's just, no, you're married. Yeah, I know. I, it's, I'm saying the point the movie is making, though... <laughs> It's important that that's the point this movie's making. Yeah. So Harry Shearer goes on set. There's a whole bit about his female co-anchor being taller than him and him feeling very insecure about it and wanting like a booster seat or something. And so Blonde X puts the gum she's been chewing on a standee of Harry Shearer because comedy. Yeah, that'll show him. Uh, so now they're in Jamaica. And this is where redheaded scientist lady's really laying it on thick that she's got a lady boner for, for Matthew Yeah, Broderick. we just we just got two workplace sexual harassment incidents in a row it was very seamless that way yeah this is uh inadvertently a prequel to horrible bosses so now they're in jamaica yes they're in jamaica uh they arrive at the japanese ship that got attacked it's been run aground and so jean renault shows up and he's there with a bunch of his frenchies and he's like kevin dunn's like who the fuck are you and he's like ah we're the insurance people for this we gotta like do some investigation for the insurance claim and my note here is uh this so matthew broderick goes to invest investigate the debris and my note here is this moment of investigating debris from a shipwreck is brought to you by bumblebee tuna <laughs> and some random korean brand because yeah so some of these kids are in korean on this <laughs> japanese my note for this is um well for starters he talks about how Jean Reno's people, who are they? They're in the way when they are clearly not in the way. They are a good distance back. And there are a lot of other people Jesus. further in front. But we said so in the movie. So that means it happened in the movie because the movie said so. <laughs> and then we get to the actual point, which is what authority does the U.S. military have in Jamaica? I mean, is the Jamaican military going to be like, no, you can't, U.S. military. <laughs> But yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, I'm not saying they're going to declare war, but since when does the U.S. military just casually walk into countries and examine wrecked ships? Whenever we want to. We're number one. We're number one. We're number one. USA. 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 Hey, Jules, uh, just look at any time in American history, and most of it is just our military going wherever the fuck it wants. So... <laughs> That's when. The, the Jamaicans were standing around like, the fuck and they're like my freedom (laughs) (laughs) the jamaicans are like what 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 about our our freedom fuck your freedom america we have a constitution ain't no other country got one of them no other country has a constitution ain't no rule that says america can't just want to into any country (laughs) (laughs) there there are we just ignore that part of the rule book So Jean Renault sees Matthew Broderick putting a a skin sample from the ship into a very unscientific looking 
plastic container. This looks like a pill bottle he just emptied out. <laughs> well, we'll find out he's the worst scientist in the world as the movie. So he, continues. this motherfucker does not know how to science. He's really bad. Yeah. Uh, cut to the very specific location of the Eastern Seaboard. <laughs> yes. For anyone not familiar with American geography, the Eastern Seaboard is literally from the northern tip of Maine to the southern tip of Florida. <laughs> Literally the entire eastern part of the fucking country. I mean, I guess they could have gone for the Pacific Ocean or the Atlantic Ocean or the <laughs> Or they could have said off the coast of Maine because like we, we we come across these three fishing boats and judging by their accents, they're all New Englanders. So you could just say off the coast of New England if you wanted to. But no, we're on the eastern side. But no, no, we have to be specific. <laughs> And we watched these three fishing boats manned by New Englanders get dragged underwater. And that's how we know that Godzilla is getting closer to America. Although I do appreciate that they like dragged what I what are ostensibly real boats down into the water. I mean, you started in French Polynesia, you wound up in Jamaica. We've already established characters in New York. Did we really need the eastern seaboard we did not all of it but i like i said I, I do appreciate the fact that i think they like sunk three actual boats in a in a giant water tank or at least like did some oh yeah it was it was a really good visual sort of moment i thought three boats helplessly getting tugged underneath but they do use the uh godzilla's above ground sound effect while he's underwater so this is the beginning of that screwing up some gorgeous sound effects. Uh, so now Matthew Broderick and the scientists and the governor, everybody, they're flying in a C-130 Hercules through a lightning storm. And despite the fact that they are flying through a lightning storm, uh, inside is like super chill. Like there's there's no turbulence. It's a very smooth ride. They got gyroscopes. <laughs> yeah, and it's very lucky that this, this, this plane has got gyroscopes so Matthew Broderick can, you know, science on board. <laughs> But we do get one doctor who leaps immediately to dinosaurs, which is something that Dr. Grant doesn't figure out until he's taken to a Costa Rican island. Yeah, the redhead scientist, upon learning that the fishing boats have been attacked, like, yeah, guesses that it's a fucking dinosaur that they just didn't know about. And Matthew Broderick doesn't agree. He thinks that the radiation in the footprints that will definitely not give any of them cancer uh, <laughs> tells him that it's a mutated creature due to like all the nuclear testing done in French Polynesia. And we get a an ominous zoom on New York City on, on a map that's on a table. Oh yeah, this is where we actually get the subtitles of the city that never sleeps. We didn't get it the first time, and we got it now. And my note was, the subtitles guy woke up and forgot the name of New York City. <laughs> 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 uh, so Blonde X meets up with stereotypical New Jersey friend and Hank Azaria, because we are not done with Simpsons actors, um, in a diner where she's told that by friend, I just call her friend, uh, is she's way too nice to get ahead in New York City based off of what happened with Harry Shearer. The way she describes Harry Shearer's character, though, is like, this, this man is dead. He's a puke-stained chum bucket or something. But yeah, it's, it's a beautiful, eloquent description of Harry Shearer's character. And my note was uh, Harvey Weinstein's dating profiles somehow ended up in the script of this movie. <laughs> but is stereotype friend implying that she needs to slut it up more then? <laughs> no, she just needs to be a hard-nosed go-getter. Just tougher, more assertive. Okay. Yeah. A New Yorker. 
Blonde X gets way the fuck too excited about seeing Matthew Broderick on TV. Like, she's fucking, like, instantly re-smitten with him. Turn that up, you know, that old cliche to the bartender about the TV. Yeah, again, my note here is, like, this movie really wants us to believe that women are falling all over Matthew Broderick. (laughs) Refers to him as her college sweetie. Nobody in the fucking 90s was calling anyone sweetie. Like, fuck out of here. Now we're at the New York City docks where worker New Yorkers New York New Yorkily. Yeah, my note is, is this a third establishing shot of New York City that we've had? In this? <laughs> no, but it's like, guys on the dock, like, hey, Tony! You know, that kind of shit. Hopeless guys make fun of an old dude who's walking out onto a pier to go fishing in the rain. Why is he going fishing in the rain? You've never fished in the rain? It's, it's very soothing. Oh, I agree. But I don't understand why the homeless people are making fun of him. They don't have a house. Yeah, they don't have a house. They, 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 don't have a fish, they don't have a fishing rod. Joe's got a chair and a beer. Like, like if this wasn't in the raid, I would get why Joe was out there. And then physics can go fuck itself. Can go fuck itself with a fishing rod because he gets this tug and it's like, you know, he's fighting this thing. And then it, Rod gets yanked out of his hand. See, that's why it needed to be raining, so that the rod was slippery. But Godzilla comes then comes out of the fucking water. It's like, how was Godzilla yanking on his... Because that's the implication, is that Godzilla was yanking on the fishing pole. Because Godzilla comes out of the water, and then we get this terrible composite shot of Joe <laughs> running down the pier. Oh, bless him. Godzilla was trying to find somewhere else to uh, make landfall. And Joe's hook somehow caught his tail, and that's what caused him to turn around, and that's why he had the big swell way the fuck out there, because that's where most of Godzilla was. It makes more sense than anything in this movie. <laughs> and nothing makes sense in this goddamn movie. And and Joe fleeing the dock. <laughs> so bless. This makes less sense than Leia not getting captured in the forest in that first episode of Obi-Wan. <laughs> <laughs> I have not seen Obi-Wan, so I will assume that's funny. You will understand when you do. I heard people bitching about it as well, and then I saw it and went, yep, you got a point. <laughs> so Godzilla comes out of the water and uh, makes it rain boats. Like, that's a thing he does? Yeah, yeah, making it rain. That's why I take micro machines <laughs> with me to the club. I, I have to say, though, my favorite moment of this is the uh, crate guy who dunks ice on himself for no reason. <laughs> there's so much stupid shit. I did not notice this. What the fuck? It's the best. It's just, there's like a little shudder and he just decides to dunk this entire crate on his head and fall backwards. It's <laughs> The OG ice bucket challenge. Okay, okay. There was a uh, close-up stunned extra that I could have sworn was Kyle Gass for a moment as well. But no, Tenacious D does not make an appearance. Uh, Mikey... Paul Misi from The Sopranos does, though. Uh, he, he's a cab driver whose cab almost gets crushed by the, the ship rain. <laughs> the ship had the boat. So clearly, Millennial Rewind Review Universe. <laughs> <laughs> he was just an honest cab member trying to make a living, you know, has to travel over to New York from New Jersey when Godzilla had to fucking attack and was left destitute and had to turn to a life of crime where he rose quickly through the ranks of the Soprano family. (laughs) (laughs) It's all linked, people. (laughs) Only to get murdered in the woods years later while just out for a run. Oh, man. 
But yeah, as the as the people run, you'll notice that they're all running directly in front of Godzilla. Not one of them moves to the left or right. Oh, of course not. That's a yeah, it's a general movie. If thing. I move out of the way of the stampede, how will I get to trample anybody? <laughs> or get trampled by somebody. Or possibly get trampled myself. Exactly. We have traditions to uphold in this country. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, this one dock worker who apparently just doesn't hear or feel Godzilla like while he's listening on his headphones to music. Like, that's fucking stupid. It's very important to notice as well that uh, as he's raining boats, it's always the same boat that lands <laughs> with the exact same camera angle. We're at a mayoral election rally, and there's no fucking way people are coming out in the middle of the rain to watch a mayoral re-election speech. Like, yeah, fuck no out of shit. here. The, the vibrations on the ground. Like the, this is where we start the Jurassic Park ripoff. Well, can, I really started to notice the Jurassic Park ripoffs here. Like, the they do the, tremors, like yeah. the vibrations of the ground, but it's like Godzilla interrupts the, the, the election rally, so everyone runs away. And is still, despite being like multiple hundreds of feet inland, he is still raiding boats. Like, there are still boats <laughs> coming down. And, you know, he's walking over people and all this stuff. And uh, do you guys think, like, at some point, like, after he's, like, squished enough people, Godzilla has to, like, stop and, like, get a stick and, like, wipe the people <laughs> off the bottom of his foot? Nah, it's been raining, so, you know, he just needs to find one of his footprint holes from earlier, and then he can just kind of, like, slosh his foot around in there a little bit and get, gets it right off. Put his Godzilla flip-flops on, you know. <laughs> so, cut to Bart Simpson. Sorry, I mean, Nancy Cartwright, because... <laughs> The final Simpsons cast member who they, yeah, they just had her in for like two, like not even two minutes. She's just in there for a hot second. I think she just wandered over and got some coffee and they were like, oh, hey, we need someone to sit at this desk. (laughs) Come on over here. She was there to pick up Harry Shearer from the shoot. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Yeah, the actress didn't come in. So they're like, yeah, we got you here. And so Harry Shearer is complaining about not being able to get any juicy stories in New York City. (laughs) Really, Harry Shearer? There's nothing of interest going on in New York fucking city? You fucking ass. What the fuck? So Nancy Cartwright's like, "Uh, hey, sir, uh, I think your story's out the wind, just outside the window, because Godzilla walks past and Harry Shearer just doesn't feel any of the fucking impact tremors or hear the shit going on outside. He is just engrossed in his phone call. That is a running theme throughout this entire movie. <laughs> so when physics got turned off at the docks, that switch will stay there. It will not be returning to an operable position for the rest of this film. <laughs> so back at the diner, Blonde X continues to fail the Bechdel test. Sorry, I mean, uh, talk about her relationship with Matthew Broderick while sucking on a lollipop. And apparently they went out for four years. He even proposed to her. But before she can elaborate on it, Godzilla walks by and chaos ensues. Hank Azaria spots a conveniently placed overturned news van so he can grab a fucking video camera like literally right outside the diner right after his wife drops the r-bomb like so many godzilla boats yeah calls him a reverb (laughs) not reverb and as as he chases after a literal monster Catches up to Godzilla in front of Grand Central Station right as the Avengers were assembling, and then they kicked Godzilla's ass. Weird, weird twist. Don't remember that. I felt that music shift. <laughs> but yeah, that camera is definitely ruined because the rain has gotten inside it. Like, gallons of it has already 
just completely fucked its electronics. Yeah, there's no water protection on there. They do a whole bit where he's like been struggling to get the tape in the thing, which is also definitely water damage because it's been open. Finally gets it in by just pushing it down gently with his one finger. Films Godzilla. It somehow does it get squashed? Godzilla's toes go around him. This was a weird dark turn. You know, he got absolutely crushed by Godzilla foot. The world was destroyed. Weird ending. Well, yeah, because obviously without this obviously fully functioning news camera, there would be no evidence of what's going on in the city, and so no one would know what to do for plans to any countermeasures. Yeah, you're right. Nobody in New York City is in any way documenting the giant fucking dinosaur lizard that's trashing the place. <laughs> Matthew Broderick, Kevin Dunn, and the gang arrive at a mobile command center in New Jersey, and they meet uh, Sergeant O'Neill. Uh, who's played by Doug Savant of Melrose Place and Desperate Housewives fame. He plays a nervous sergeant, the only nervous sergeant in movie history. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Sergeant O'Neill tells Kevin Dunn that Godzilla is missing. The giant fucking lizard monster is missing in Manhattan. And Kevin Dunn channels all of us and wonders how the hell something like that is possible. <laughs> and then we get the speech from Nick Totopoulos. So he says, you know, this is an island like no other in the world where he can perfectly hide as opposed to uninhabited islands without millions of small animals all over the place and concrete and metal. And pretty much everything that New York City has that would impede his actual hiding. <laughs> yes! Redhead Herring says <laughs> that she believes he's gone back into the river. And they're like, no, because we're an island surrounded by water as opposed to other islands, you know, in the way that they are geographically located. Yeah, those ones are surrounded by Kool-Aid. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> God, I can't even finish my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Matthew Broderick says he doesn't think Godzilla has gone back into the river because it's so still. And I'm like, motherfucker, there's two rivers around Manhattan. You are in New Jersey, meaning you can only see one of them. You only can see the Hudson River right now. The East River is on the other side of the fucking island and you cannot see the East goddamn river. This movie sucks at New Yorking. <laughs> Why Godzilla would want to hide? I mean, it's the biggest fucking animal on the planet. This is the only animal that wouldn't need to hide. As we will learn, gotta find that nest. Gotta find a <laughs> nesting spot. It's so human-centric. That's that's my point. Is that expects, you know, Godzilla to care about people. Well, it's worried that someone's gonna, you know, come get its half million goddamn eggs. <laughs> That it burrows underground so that it can come back up to lay them? We'll get there. It's, we will absolutely... None of, it, none, of, none of this makes any fucking <laughs> sense, but it's not in a fun way. It's just dumb. No, this is a very unfun dumb. So yeah, they're at this this command center walking around. Again, military nerd me is like, why are there so many military personnel walking around in service dress uniform for a field operation? I don't fucking <laughs> know, but... That's what this movie's gone with. And then we also see uh, Harry Shearer reporting on Hank Azaria's footage. And my original question was, why so much static? And I think we've answered it, Jules, because there's so much fucking water got into the camera. No wonder all the footage is so staticky. <laughs> uh, speaking of Hank Azaria, back at 
news headquarters, Hank Azaria is getting a lot of attaboys and good jo- His name's Animal. That's what people call him. Why did they call him Animal? Fuck you. That's what the writers went with. I kept seeing this as he walked back in like the, the bar where they were talking before he ran out. <laughs> I was like, oh, so it's just the bar that all the news people hang out in. Makes as much sense as any other goddamn thing I'm going to see today. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And you don't have to deal with Kelsey Grammer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, so they're all evacuating to New Jersey, everyone in the news office. But Hank Azaria is going to join Harry Shearer in the helicopter. Blonde ex sees Matthew Broderick on TV again for some more crushing. And uh, she tells Harry Shearer as he's trying to go down an elevator that she has a lead because she knows, you know, this guy who's at the military base. And he ignores her because sexism. But she's got his press pass. So uh, that'll come in handy. As evidence when you're arrested. Cool. <laughs> uh, so Harry Shearer, we're in the helicopter with him. And Hank Azaria is filming him. Um, they're narrating the evacuation of the city from a newscopter as people try to leave Manhattan. And the military is flooding in. Off. So in his own helicopter, uh, the mayor, who's kind of like, I don't know. His name's Mayor Ebert. And his assistant, Gene. Uh, this movie thinks it's funny. <laughs> God, it, it thinks it's funny. really does. You know, I do think they were straining to put just a hint of Ghostbusters in here with the mayor dynamics that they had at the end of the first movie. <laughs> no, it's because these guys are very obviously ripped off of, you know, Siskel and Ebert. They have trashed the movies made by this director in the past. So he put them in here to make them look like buffoons. Oh. And the best thing is. In their review, they called him out for not even doing that well. <laughs> you made us stupid buffoons in a monster movie. It couldn't even have the monster kill us. Like, how much do you fail at this job? So anyways, the mayor lands because he's worried about his election campaign. He's trying not to stress eat. They land on the New Jersey side, uh, get out of the helicopter, and in the background, because again, military nerd, is a World War II armored vehicle. That is an M8, a variation of the M8 Greyhound. This is not the last time we will see this M8 Greyhound, but apparently the military in 1998 still needs fucking World War II armored vehicles. Nazi Godzilla, that's the movie we need. (laughs) So we started off with like decommissioned hardware from the 60s. We've now moved into World War II. How old does the technology get in this? Can I just get a spoiler, please? No, this is as old as it gets. Aww. Like, I mean, if there had been like a World War One bolt action rifle somewhere, I absolutely would have picked up on it. But no, biplanes. Is this also where um, Harry Shearer brings up that the Warner Brothers and Disney stores have been looted? Yes, during the helicopter ride that we just saw. Yes, he does mention that the. I'm just wondering who's <laughs> looting fucking Warner Brothers and Disney stores. <laughs> Eight to 13 year old children. I mean, have you met Disney fans? That makes sense. The Warner Brothers one less so, but people <laughs> robbing the Disney store, I You've got to steal those Goonies t shirts. Also, smash and grab just to resell later. You got to get those super popular items. Now, later on, you know, you can hit the smaller stores just for, you know, generic TVs and such, as we will see. There is also another advertising moment because there is a giant hole in a building that Godzilla made. And my 
note was this giant hole in the building is brought to you by MetLife. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is more advertisement than Lego films. There's a lot of product placement. The mayor gets intercepted by Jean Renault, who's like, look, my, I represent the company that insures a lot of these 13% of the city, and don't worry, you have our total support. Uh, and then puts a very conspicuous audio bug on the back of his neck. Like you'd have to be literally blind to miss it. <laughs> Apparently everyone in this military base is lying. I mean, he got away with the line. I represent and ensure 13% of the city. The fuck? So <laughs> Harry Shearer can't get in because he doesn't have his press ID. And that is because Blonde X has it, as we've mentioned. She's now in the subway with a uncomfortably close goldfish bowl held by somebody near her reasons i always take my goldfish on the subway yeah i mean you got to get make sure they get fresh air they get out you don't want them to get like cramped in their your apartment god when i lived in new york we had so many goldfish that died anyways that's because you didn't take them on the subway enough we, we didn't walk our goldfish that was the problem blonde x's friend is trying to convince her to stick her photo over Matt, Harry Shearer's photo so that she can get access to Matthew Broderick. That's what's happening. My note is worst friend ever because after, you know, putting her down saying that she's too nice and she needs to be a horrible person, she decides to go a step further into forgery and criminality for her friend. <laughs> Definitely trying to get her busted for fraud. And my next note here is this moment of French espionage is brought to you by UPS. Uh, so, yeah, the, the French Secret Service are in a UPS truck. One of the guys who's pretending to be a UPS driver comes in with coffee and pastries. And Jean Renault is very disappointed that there are no croissants. Uh, and also points out that American coffee sucks and agreed. It's pretty fucking bad, John Renault. I get it. This is clearly like a personal gripe of Roland Emmerich's that he just put in this movie <laughs> about how shit American coffee is. And by and large, our coffee sucks ass. Like, it's it's pretty bad. Yeah, that was kind of a fun bit. Yeah, I like the way it was pulled off because it's like, nope, no croissant, coffee. You call this coffee? I call this America. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Great line. Credit where credit's due. That was a fun line. But I didn't need coffee to be a recurring joke in this movie. <laughs> That's true. You call this French roast? See? French roast says right there on the fucking thing. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so back at the military base, Mayor Ebert isn't happy that Kevin Dunn evacuated his city during an election year. <laughs> No mayor in the entire world would say this after a giant lizard blasted through its city. Yeah, no, this is... Dumb. Except for every mayor in American movies. That's all they care about. <laughs> That's how the Ghostbusters were allowed to go do their job and confront the final boss. Because they appealed to, you will be the one who saved voters. But the military's looked everywhere. They can't find Godzilla, so they can't give the all clear. Uh, Sergeant O'Neill comes in, does something that you don't actually do in the military. Uh, you do not salute indoors in the United States military. But he does. He salutes Kevin Dunn inside to let him know that this is going to be tougher than they thought. He had to make sure they realized he was there. He could have been like, hello, like waved. I don't know. But like, <laughs> you don't you don't salute indoors in the military. So that's that's he'd be like, oh, hey, I'm back. I brought you some coffee. And they're like, this is the best coffee in the entire <laughs> world. <laughs> and it's from the same and it place. It doesn't even need sugar or cream. <laughs> and yes, it's literally the same place the French guys got there. <laughs> so O'Neill takes Kevin Dunn, Matthew Broderick and the others to show them that Godzilla tunneled under the city. 
And surely Godzilla, like we're talking about stealth Godzilla, surely this would have like set off a Richter scale. <laughs> like some earthquake monitoring station would have been like, holy shit. You know what would set off the Richter scale? When we seal the tunnel with bombs. Oh, by the way, uh, this revelation of Godzilla tunneling is brought to you by Pepsi. Pepsi. We're worse than Coke. Jesus Christ, this movie. <laughs> the product. But yeah, I want to bring up, they want to make sure he doesn't get off the island. Isn't everything that they should be trying to do, based on getting him away from New York City, one of the most significant populist locations in the United States, to anywhere less populated? Wouldn't that be like goal one? Well, I understand how you would think that. But you see, this island is surrounded by water. (laughs) And I'm not really sure what that has to do with anything other than obviously they lose him. But yeah, it tells him to block off every single tunnel on the island. And my question for this is, if Godzilla could just tunnel on his own, how the fuck would that help? <laughs> right? Exactly. How, like, that's so stupid. Like, like it's just going to tunnel through it or around it. It's it's dumb. Yeah, it's not like Godzilla is specifically using like sewer or subway tunnels or anything like that. There is burrowing happening. And I'm not even sure how the fuck that's possible, to be honest. And, uh, oh. A nice, a beautiful little detail, by the way. We get another Godzilla underwater sound effect, and none of the actors react to it because they weren't told about it while it was being filmed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Matthew Broderick tells Kevin Dunn that Godzilla isn't an enemy, but he, it's an animal. Like, you know, if you figure out what it needs, he'll come to you close up on the floppy fish. <laughs> floppy fish foreshadowing <laughs> <gasps> that's how we should have known that godzilla was in the tunnels subway goldfish <laughs> <laughs> the goldfish was foreshadowing <laughs> the movie is genius if you're crazy enough <laughs> uh so the military is now going to set a trap to lure out godzilla they've gonna put a giant pile of fish inside of some metal like some some concrete barriers a soldier comes up and calls O'Neill sir, even though he's a sergeant. You don't call sergeant sir. You don't, you, lieutenant and above gets called sir. Ma'am? <laughs> it, it disappoints me that, o- that O'Neill doesn't salute Matthew Broderick after his next line because he, he clearly he states that's a lot of fish and you've got to salute Captain Obvious, right? <laughs> I just had Jeff Goldblum showing up to let us know that it is, in fact, one big pile of fish. <laughs> <laughs> Much better movie. Much better movie. We're writing a way better fucking movie here. Yeah, so then a fucking swarm of Apache helicopters flies into Manhattan. Like, a fucking bees hive Jesus Christ. so the french are like watching what happens on a rooftop in a random apartment and this is where the french roast bit joke comes in and uh apparently matthew broderick just like walking around with a disposable camera like this is a thing this final monster reveal brought to you by kodak his <laughs> little disposable camera he must have picked that up during the looting i suppose also i love how jean Reno like speaks english to his men and they speak french back to him like that's how they conduct their super duper secret <laughs> french operations but jean Renault, he understands what they're doing here because they're like man these these people are weird these americans are weird with this pile of fish and he's like no 
This is brilliant. So mm. Godzilla's not taking the bait. Everyone's getting a little bored. Uh, Matthew Broderick tells the soldiers, who uh, apparently take orders from him, uh, <laughs> to go lift up the manhole covers around. Uh, there is only one reason for this. It's so that we can get a what the hell is he doing cliche. That is the only reason. Yeah, but a better way to get there is no one actually takes orders from him, so he just goes and grabs a crowbar and starts prying up manholes himself. But it works. And this is, again, where we see the World War II M8 Greyhound. And so, yeah, Matthew Broderick opens one of the manhole covers by himself. He hears Godzilla noises, and the ground starts to crack. And he decides to stand exactly where he is. Godzilla comes out of the ground, and we finally get a good look at him. This is where Matthew Broderick thinks that flash photography is a good idea. Got <laughs> a big fuck off lizard monster. Just let's attract its attention with a fucking flash. That, I, I do want to say that Godzilla does look pretty damn incredible. Here. I like the creature design. Here. Here. Right here. He will not on many other occasions. <laughs> yeah. In defense of Matthew Broderick, though, he is studying radiation and fallout. He does not have access to the bones of this creature to be able to determine its behavior in real life. Much like, <laughs> you know, unlike people like Sam Neill. Because, yeah, my note here was that the movie ends here because after he takes a picture with the Flash, Godzilla moves in and crushes him with his nose because he's a weird little insect doing weird shit. Yeah, like like humans are not a threat to them, like to him in and of themselves. Like he doesn't kill people at the up to this point out of like malice. He's just like walking around trying to find fish, and they just happen to be in the way. Yeah, but this is also really, really shitty. Chekhov's bright light. Yes, yes, it is. Uh... <laughs> I just watched Nick die a little. <laughs> so some soldiers move up point rifles and rocket launchers at Godzilla up close because apparently rifles and rocket launchers don't fire at range. You need to get right up fucking Godzilla's butthole to, you know, get a clean shot. Matthew Broderick kind of gives him a finger wag to not do anything. He gives him a very, does a Dennis Nedry at him. (laughs) They didn't say the magic word. They did not say the magic word. That is correct. Uh, Speaking of Jurassic Park (laughs) ripoffs. Um, this movie repeats the Brachiosaurus sneeze moment from Jurassic Park now, because he, he, he breathes on Matthew Broderick, who gets Godzilla boogers on him or whatever. And he rolls at him. Yeah, my note here is Matthew Broderick's eardrums were shattered by Godzilla <laughs> roaring in his face, and he went deaf. Just couldn't hear for the rest of the movie. I did not remember that. By the way, the military who's, like, monitoring the situation on their computers, like, the little, the, the fish icon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the map of the intersection was fucking Jesus incredible. Right. Because <laughs> they're watching from their, their command center. And so, yeah, Godzilla goes up to like eat the fish. And my God, these eating fish animations are fucking terrible. It's like he's picking up the fish and just like letting them rain out of its mouth. Like that's what it looks like he's doing. Then Matthew Broderick gets some ass shots of Godzilla. <laughs> so Kevin Dunn tells O'Neill to fire at will because apparently all these ground forces are under the command of a sergeant and not a field officer. <laughs> it's- yeah, and they decimate the shit out of the Flatiron building. <laughs> I mean, Kevin Dunn's trying to groom him for leadership. He's like, nah, this is where you tell him to shoot, dude. Come on, man. Come on. If I'm going to leave this to you one day, you got you to step up. This is... Potentially one of my alternate titles for this movie is Fuck New York Architecture. 
Because some beautiful buildings got destroyed in this. Yeah, the Flatiron building gets destroyed. And by the way, yeah, this is going to be one of many, many missile misses against Godzilla. <laughs> like, like, the missiles just are really, really bad until the end of the movie. Yeah, people have called this movie, like, military porn, but wouldn't the military need to be competent for that to... <laughs> You know, really be sold. Yeah, this is military porn. This is military, like if the porn that was shot on like a 2004 cell phone, that's the equivalent quality <laughs> of porn here. And so shit goes down here. I'm not gonna break down everything, but Godzilla at one point uses his breath weapon and sounds like a jaguar slash cougar. Well, what I like is that his yelling causes cars to spontaneously combust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't come out as a breath weapon. It's like he just has really bad breath ejected forcefully that then ignites. Ignites cars. <laughs> it just, they spontaneously set on fire and turn into a fireball. It's dumb, whatever it is. It's all flammable. And why is Godzilla running from helicopters? Yeah, a bunch of helicopters <laughs> chase him through a literal maze of buildings because that's how Manhattan works. The Apaches have X-Wing targeting systems <laughs> stay on target stay on target <laughs> exactly it's very much looks like that there's too many of them what how <laughs> the fuck are there too many dude literally everything they shoot at godzilla misses except the bullets but the bullets like don't really hurt it great deal of those miss him as well though <laughs> also the way this these these graphics work like one of these helicopters absolutely shot one of the helicopters in front of it like there's just no fucking way it didn't shoot the helicopter in front of it i do have to admit there is one moment that definitely made me chuckle uh when the helicopters have godzilla locked on and they shoot it misses and it breaks the shit out of the chrysler building the reaction of the pilot is oh damn <laughs> i'm getting written up for this <laughs> uh, that's coming out of my paycheck and the mayor is the appropriate reaction it just that's a goddamn chrysler building we're talking about. <laughs> i just love the odd oh, Damn. I love the justification that they can't hit it with a missile because Godzilla is colder than the buildings around <laughs> it, so their heat seeking technology doesn't work. It's not how missiles were at this point. They had, they had laser <laughs> shit. Like, like, missile targeting was a lot more complex by this point. So then three of these helicopters see a, a hole in a building and they think that Godzilla is roaring from inside this hole, so they just like let loose with bullets inside the thing and they think they've got it. But apparently Godzilla was throwing his voice because he then <laughs> just breaks through the building behind them. And like, so Godzilla left a decoy hole <laughs> for them to follow and then circled around with no one fucking noticing this shit. <laughs> Stealthzilla, yes, I know, man. That is why we have the Batman music, because this is Godzilla Batman. <laughs> it really is. He's using ninjutsu techniques. Oh, he gets even better in like five seconds. It's amazing. <laughs> so cue the stupidest helicopter chase in the history of fucking Because <laughs> he swats one out immediately. The other two go. He manages to get another one. The other one's like zooming through the buildings, trying to get away from Godzilla. Yes, I have that this helicopter has impressive maneuverability. <laughs> Not only that, but it never occurs to him to, I don't know, fly up. Gain altitude? I mean, it was just the, he just keeps going straight. 
It doesn't make any sense. I mean, the guys... No the... aircraft in this film is capable of flying above buildings. <laughs> yeah, hey guys, do you know what the operational ceiling is for an Apache AH-64 helicopter? I'm just going to say a hell of a lot taller than a skyscraper. You would be correct, John. It is 20,000 feet. This helicopter can get really fucking high. But at that elevation, the air would be so much warmer than their target, and the missiles would go all crazy. <laughs> I mean, the only thing I could think of is that the pilot's name was Snooze, so he he was probably napping during that part of helicopter training. Yeah, everyone missed that day in flight school. <laughs> so, yeah, again, that's the thing. It's not just this one helicopter. <laughs> none of them. None of them think to gain altitude. So, yeah, so he, he again, stealth Godzilla sneaks up under the last <laughs> helicopter and chomps it out of the sky. That was the even stupider part. He had to have literally been laying down on the street. He had to run ahead of the helicopter crouch down and hope not to be spotted <laughs> this was godzilla's logic just as helicopters are incapable of gaining altitude they're also unaware of the empty space below them <laughs> at all times as well. yeah they, there's no radar or sensors or anything i mean a fishing boat's detected godzilla how can this Heli military helicopter missing. I mean, they were actively chasing this thing, too. I mean, this is worse than Danny just kind of forgot the Iron Fleet existed. <laughs> so bad. So Matthew Broderick back at the fish site picks up a sample of red goop without gloves or proper extraction techniques because, as we have established, he sucks at sciencing. As we have established, cleanup is not his thing. <laughs> This is a cleanup. This is he just trying to get a fucking sample. Like, where's some gloves, my dude? And so O'Neill bemoans the fact that they didn't do anything to him. And Matthew Broderick's like, sure, we did. We fed him. I actually kind of enjoyed that moment. It was a decent line, actually. So the military convoy comes back to New Jersey. I guess they didn't need anyone to stay in Manhattan in case Godzilla came back. That's when Blonde X stalks Matthew Broderick into a pharmacy, just sees him and decides to, you know, go in there with him. Uh, and he's in the pharmacy to get a whole bunch of pregnancy tests on a hunch. Yeah, where is the deleted scene that gave him this hunch? <laughs> yeah, like the thing where like he in any way suspected that this monster dinosaur was pregnant. And I'm pretty sure pregnant. I, I don't know the exact science on this, but do pregnancy tests work on lizards? I don't think they do. Reptiles and mammals are very different species. Far from being not even the same species. <laughs> there's there's different families and you know category whole other large categories that separate them. But he he does. You know, his science thing, asking this convenience store clerk what specific chemicals these pregnancy tests test for. And he, and he pulls a Harry Potter and buys the lot. I mean, he does admit later that, well, if this is indi any indication, it's a pregnancy. But obviously, these tests weren't designed, you know, for a creature like this. They do attempt to explain things. But here's the thing. He has access to the resources of the entire U.S. military, but decides to go out of pocket for 
drugstore pregnancy tests. Like, this is fucking stupid. You think Kevin Dunn is going to stand for some pregnancy tests at a time like this? <laughs> I don't know, but this... I mean, if you offered him a good shoulder rub, maybe, because he is, again, the least threatening person in the world. Why does he get military <laughs> commander roles? I don't know. This is not the only time it happens. <laughs> So, yeah, he, he he bumps into Blonde X, who comes in, and he oh, exposits about her always wanting to be a reporter, and, you know, congratulates her on her finally having made it, because she's pretending to be a reporter. This is a whole fucking thing, which is stupid. We'll see how stupid it is later. So, yeah, she leaves with him without buying anything, and he doesn't find this weird. She clearly just came in to stalk him and doesn't call it out. Yeah, she is horrible throughout this movie. I just want to throw that out there, and I don't understand why they wind up together. Because movie is the only reason. And yeah, he's apparently still mad at her for breaking up with him or whatever the fuck happened between them. He's still technically mad at her, but she's like, come on, it's basically been eight years. Get the fuck over it, Matthew Broderick. He's like, well, yeah, I should get the fuck over it. Do you want to come to have tea on the military base that I will make for you? Yeah, she hit him with the magical power of, come on. <laughs> come on, guy. I'm learning to be a New Yorker now. It feels so good to be hatched. Alright. We're so cramped in there. I tell you, I could really go for some fish right now. No, no. No need for that, my pregnant bro. Look over there. There's fleshy prey. Mm, but this fleshy prey looks like it might fight back. I'm kind of sure I don't even have teeth yet here. Ah, you're forgetting that we're cunning. And for some reason, we're all in this together. Even though there are hundreds of us and we have a limited food supply. But I have a plan. Let's roar in their general direction to announce our intention to attack. Ah, oh, spoiling a surprise attack is so cunning. Then we'll eat the French flesh sacks. That is so cunning. American flesh sacks probably taste like donuts and bad stale coffee. You know, because stereotypes. Exactly. And then we'll... Oh, darn. Looks like our siblings had the same idea. But I have an even more cunning idea. We'll eat all the popcorn. Because I just realized we're also omnivores for some reason. You're a genius! Wow, we're so cunning. So cunning. <sighs> Salty. Mm, pretty sure I'm ready to fuck myself pregnant again. Yeah, because we can reproduce asexually. I'm gonna go fuck myself, too. We're so fucking cunning, bro. So cunning. God, I'm so cunning I'm gonna get pregnant. Your cunning is giving me some awesome cunning highs right now. <laughs> the Godzilla boys, two freshly hatched whippersnappers who have a pinch up for fish and popcorn. <laughs> So back at base, they do some more expositional dialogue because he used to be anti-nuke and they used to go to anti-nuke rallies together. But now he's working for the nuclear regulatory agency. What's up with that? And he's like, yeah, I'm trying to change things on the inside by preparing a list of new species that have been created by radiation. I need a license to electrocute worms now before <laughs> I just, you know. Yes. Used to do it for fun. Now it's for science. <laughs> it was eating up all my research grants. I just kept getting charged with cruelty to animals and prosecuted. <laughs> Pay those lawyer fees somehow. 
And these fucking whole pregnancy tests show that he's pregnant. Uh, somehow knows that Godzilla's a dude. And uh, can it reproduce asexually? How does he know any of this? Fuck you, audience. I feel like because they've just been generically referring to Godzilla as he the entire time, if they changed course midstream like this, the audience would just be left behind. No, what the fuck's going on? Wouldn't that be Godessa? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. See, they couldn't change the name. Godessa. <laughs> yeah, apparently Godzilla's decided to, according to Matthew Broderick, he's come to nest in Manhattan because, you know, um, species will often travel to reproduce, but why would it fucking nest in Manhattan that's full of creatures that could clearly harm its young? stupid and usually when creatures travel to nest there's a fucking like environmental reason to do so like salmon will swim up river to get to a lake where they could like you know have a nice placid place to for their fucking spawn it's stupid as far away from animals that are gonna eat its eggs you know instead of you know like french polynesia or jamaica this is an island where he can hide (laughs) because of the water surrounding it you see (laughs) I will never let this go. No, don't let it go because this movie needs to be reminded constantly about how fucking stupid it is. Oh, let's not forget that apparently its path here took it through the Panama Canal. (laughs) And nobody noticed it. Nobody in the Panama Canal fucking noticed it. But anyway, yeah, as as Nick and then Jules just now have said, somehow he's just like, yeah, because the movie tries to bring it up. This is the first and only one of its kind. How is it pregnant? How are these eggs fertilized? And he's just like, eh, guess maybe it's asexual. And everyone just runs with this. Yeah, my note here is we're back to a movie that just likes to fuck science. Bend it over a coffee table and just <laughs> pound it No, out. no, 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 Jules. It likes to reproduce asexually with science. <laughs> oh, good one. Oh, so he's like, look, I gotta get this to the lab to confirm. Uh, why not just take it to the lab in the first place? Um, also, this tent seems to look like a lab. It's got a lot of lab fucking equipment around it. So this is just a reason to get you out of the tent. So you can stare at my top secret video. Yes, not only that. Because she sees the creepy photos he's kept of her. Yeah, doesn't think, oh shit, that's a little creepy. I need to watch it. He might be a stalker. (laughs) But yes, then sees a videotape labeled Top Secret that the military just lets, you know, lie around in a random civilian scientist tent. That's a great place to keep top secret materials. And she steals it. Also labeling it top secret. <laughs> so remember, kids, that if you ever are, you know, attracted to a girl, make sure you keep all their photos lined up where they will see it. After telling them that you are explicitly not okay with how things ended almost a decade ago and you're still upset at her for it. So now we see more Apaches flying needlessly low through the buildings of Manhattan. <laughs> This is where we see that, oh, hey, they do have radar, huh? Blonde X is now also not playing Mrs. Nice Guy anymore because she puts together a report with the footage and gives it to the boss in front of Harry Shearer. Um, So Kevin Dunn is now briefing everyone on his plan to lure Godzilla into Central Park so they'll have a better shot at him. And he actually gets Matthew Broderick's name right. He calls him Nick. Totopolis, he gets it right. Did, did you go past the unnecessary scene where the soldiers are going through the tunnels um, and they find a CGI wall 
At which point we get inconsistency with CGI size of Godzilla. Yeah, I skipped right the fuck past that, Jules. I absolutely did. This was actually my favorite physics can go fuck itself. Because as they're moving down the tunnel, you have the, whoa, did you hear that? And then the guy's like, oh, there's nothing there. So he turns away. And then that's when horrible CGI wall moves and you realize it's Godzilla, which of course looks completely like a caved in tunnel would for some reason. But that's not physics. The physics is that Godzilla is now making noises and like, as it stands up. And they don't hear him. They're like 20 feet away. Like they've moved 20 feet or something like that at this point. What the shit movie? Come yeah, on. Yeah, this was, this was dumb as shit. I think that's why my because I, I made a note like, wow, these eye graphics are shit. And my brain is just like, I don't remember what I meant by that. And I'm just going to move past it. But <laughs> I'm glad you guys remember. Those eye graphics are shit. But you know, if you can't see Godzilla then you can't hear him either. Because <laughs> that's how senses work. Anyways, yeah, so fast forward back to what I was talking about just now. Uh, Kevin Dad briefing everyone. He gets Matthew Broderick's name right, so he's gaining respect for him. Matthew Broderick explains that the explains about the eggs and that Godzilla's nesting and that they're going to hatch soon. And um, random science guy's like, how could you possibly know that? And my note here is Rando Science Guy makes a great point. <laughs> Matthew Broderick says that all the fish in the subway that they've been finding, it's clearly for when it's young hatch. Like, he's, he's getting food for them. And the French are listening through all, to all this on the bug on the back of the mayor's neck that everybody definitely saw. This is stupid. Was I the only one with that file photo? Uh, was I the only one who thought that file photo of Matthew Broderick looked a lot like JFK? No, you are not. <laughs> I, I was I was hoping the uh, the kid from uh, Indian in the Cupboard would start a little speech at this point. <laughs> Matthew Broderick played Nick Tassinopoulos in Godzilla. He looked a lot like JFK. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. JFK was supposedly shot and killed in 1963. He would later go on 30 years later to battle Godzilla. JFK kid. We also learned that Harry Shearer stole Blonde X's report. She's with Hank Azaria at a bar, like very excited for it to come on. But Hank, Hank Harry Shearer is on. But also the military sees this and it's got the footage from the top secret videotape that was left out in the open. No, no, no. He doesn't see this. Hasselhoff senses this news article is coming. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> His back is to the TV. <laughs> and he says, gentlemen, I think we should see this. Spidey sense works in mysterious ways. <laughs> Thank you. I was writing the most generic notes because I hated this movie <laughs> and I just wanted to like, I wanted it to be over. Because I was so fucking bored. <laughs> if, if I'm bored at a Godzilla movie, you fucked up. You see, this is the movie I love. We've been doing so many good movies. It's nice to get our teeth into a good turd like this. <laughs> I love reviewing turds, but again, this movie is just boring. <laughs> it's not even fun bad. It's not Leprechaun boring, but it is It is up there. See, I enjoyed Leprechaun much more than this. I think I would rather Leprechaun. <laughs> because at least it's low budget and knows what it is. Like In terms of all the movies we watched... This it's not quite at Santa Claus the movie level, but it's like I was about to ask, how does it rank the Santa Claus? Yeah, it's it's still better than Santa Claus the movie, but it's it's if the, they're playing in the same ballpark. This movie has characters who have goals and things they want to do, so that puts it above Santa Claus the movie. <laughs> Just a little bit, yeah. The the military sees this, uh, so the French roll out and they fire they fire Matthew Broderick because they think Matthew Broderick leaked the footage. 
And it's like, no, man, you let classified fucking material out in the open without a goddamn escort. This is on you. I mean, yeah, it is his fault for bringing her there and leaving her unsupervised, but I still don't understand how she got in in the first place other than just the, oh, she's with me excuse. <laughs> that is probably what happened. Her forged press badge. Yeah, that wouldn't have sent off any signals. And yeah, she reacts to the news footage because Harry Shearer's character stole her report. And uh, she's given the line, and it's Gojira, you moron. And my note for this was somehow every Japanese viewer's complaint ended up in the script of this movie. <laughs> it's Gojira, you uncultured swine. <laughs> Despite everything this movie has shown us in reference to Godzilla, they somehow want you to know that they actually do know what they're doing with this property. We swear, Toho, we swear. Also, I love the fact that they show the map of Godzilla's progress, so they literally show all the alternative places that Godzilla could have settled that would have been better than Manhattan. <laughs> this is the island where he could hide. <laughs> the one surrounded by water. I was waiting for that. I really wanted that to come back. <laughs> Yeah, he couldn't tunnel in any other island surrounded by water. He could only tunnel in this island. Because it has concrete <laughs> and steel and other things for you to burrow through. So dumb. Oh, <laughs> I am having a great time making fun of it, though. I'll give it that. So yeah, Matthew Broderick's getting kicked off the base. Redhead science lady tells him she's sorry about what happened. Redheaded herring. <laughs> her official name and yeah he tells her to make sure that kevin dunn finds the nest before it's too late as he's being escorted away and so outside the base blonde x sees him getting into a cab confesses to him that she's not a reporter and stole the tape to jump start her career and she's like giving this very emotional apology and then he justifiably kicks her in the balls and i mean i do have to say i i do enjoy her line i just couldn't tell you i'm a failure because you know i've been saying that to my parents for years (laughs) (laughs) yeah but jules you probably said that with way more emotion than (laughs) she did because this is where fight i mean she hasn't been great so far but my note here in big block letters is wow this lady sucks at acting. Like, my God, does it show in this scene. This has been a remarkably stagnant performance. <laughs> Basically tells her to go fuckers. But also his performance here is also not great. Uh, he's very monotone. But yeah, basically tells her to go fuck herself, gets in the cab to go to Newark Airport. And all I got to say here, guys, is I'd rather be in Manhattan with Godzilla than go to that fucking airport. Like, <laughs> fuck that place. I once had a nine hour layover in Newark. That's a vacation. <laughs> My God. <laughs> we set watches and took turns sleeping. I'm not kidding. <laughs> But he does get rescued by a carjacking. <laughs> yes, John Reno saves him from going to Newark. So yeah, Blond X attempts sadness as he drives away. Uh, Hank Azaria decides he's going to follow him to the airport in the van. And at some point, Matthew Broderick realizes he's not in the right cab or whatever because the cab doesn't... No, 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 no. He gets rescued from Newark Airport by a carjacking. And my note here is this carjacking is brought to you by New York City cabs. <laughs> doesn't take the turn off to Newark Airport. Jean Renault 
is uh, is actually driving the cab. Um, and he's like, who the fuck are you? And he's like, I'm French Secret Service or like whatever. He gives the actual thing. And, and Broderick's still like, cool. So who are you? Like, why are you here? And they do the, you're just going to have to trust me. And he's like, yeah, but why? And they're like, Cool, good point. Let me bring you into our lair and show you everything that we've got going on. Right? I mean, my note is, you know, French Secret Service announces itself to a guy who has literally just revealed top secret tapes to the press. Shows him ID, because as we all know, the best spies carry their agency ID on them, just in case you want to know who they are. Oh, shit. And yeah, because he basically tells Matthew Broderick, American military is not going to the nest. We need your help. How do you know that? Don't worry about it. Jean Renault takes, yeah, as, as you guys were saying, takes... Matthew Broderick to a warehouse where the French have an arsenal that they clearly bought at Walmart. Because <laughs> she's like, because Jean Renault's like, Matthew Broderick's like, hey, where'd you get all this shit? And Jean Renault's like, that, that is where I love America. You could just buy anything. <laughs> they got like M4 assault rifles. They got army shit. It's, it's, UPS truck is there just in case you were sick of that fucking product placement. For some reason, they take absolutely nothing but little machine guns on the actual mission. So it's it's important to note. They have full assault rifles here, but they decide to take pistol caliber submachine guns on the actual mission <laughs> where they are potentially going to be up against mini Godzillas. Yes, Jules, that happens. <laughs> I'm sorry. They have learned from the American military that rockets and standard machine guns are ineffective, clearly. So we must downsize. How are you not following this illogical train? <laughs> I'm way too sober. For, for to follow this movie's logic right now. And so Matthew Broderick wants to like, what are you guys doing here? And so essentially Jean Renault says that him and his men have gone rogue to clean up the mess that his government made, which is why like he, they haven't been in communication with the Americans. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you with this bullshit logic movie. Well, I took it as we're here to clean up our country's mess and we don't want anyone to know that we were responsible for this shit at the same time. Yeah, he's like, I love my country, but sometimes you have to do things, you know, that they don't know about because... Shut up. Well, it's we can't go through the official channels because then everyone will know that France is responsible for this monstrosity. That's what I took from it. And really, we just have to be content for, you know, unleashing mimes upon the world. (laughs) (laughs) An even bigger tragedy than releasing Godzilla out there. And while so many lines are cringy, you know, when Matthew Broderick decides that he's in, Jean Reno's très bien and laugh is my everything. I love that so much. I love it so much. It's great, but it makes no sense in context. It is the most ridiculous reaction to Matthew Broderick being in. Or maybe it's just like a nervous laughter because Jean Renault realizes they still have half a movie to get through. (laughs) (laughs) That's his way of dealing with that, processing it emotionally. I assume that was his reaction to his paycheck for this, which must have been ludicrously high. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Jean Renault, I hope your paycheck was trivia. So yeah, also like when he he's like, hey, Matthew Broderick, I need like we need to know where he is. Matthew Broderick immediately has an answer. He's like, Yeah, we saw a bunch of fish at 34th and whatever the fuck the cross street is. That'll be a good place to start. Also, Hank Azaria sees everything that's going on inside. He kind of like climbs a ladder and looks inside the, the warehouse. Speaking of Hank Azaria, he lives in New Jersey and he goes home to his wife in New Jersey to find that there are dozens of refugees just hanging out because his wife wants to give him a place to stay. Nice lady. 
but apparently Blonde X is having a sad and her, I guess she lives with them. Well, she's having a um a sexist stereotype reaction in the bedroom. Yes, she's weeping about how she'll never get back together now with the guy she hasn't seen in eight years. Who she just fucked over. <laughs> You see, this boy doesn't like me. That's literally what it is, though. It's, oh, this boy doesn't like me, and I'm going to die a spinster. <laughs> so awful. Hi. Welcome to Spinster Island. Here is your chocolate and the cat. <laughs> <laughs> so Hank Azaria tells her that Matthew Broderick and the Frenchies are going to sneak into the city to find the nest and tells her that she should be the one that breaks the story. I mean, he's, he tells her that he's going to go on without her, so she might as well tag along. Uh, but he's going to sneak out the window and not tell his wife because that is the sign of a healthy marriage. There is some sort of casual hints at abuse going on from the wife to the husband there, too. <laughs> <laughs> the wife beats Hank Azaria. Oh, well, she's very casual about it yes so now we're back at the frenchies warehouse uh they're all strapped up in military gear ready to roll out and find godzilla and this military rollout is brought to you by juicy fruit juicy fruits it's gonna move you because <laughs> john Renault like heads it out to each of them as they walk past him as he's like issuing them their stick of gum and when they get the the car matthew Butter's like hey why are you passing out sticks of gum and john Renault's like uh, it makes us look more American, and I, I absolutely fucking agree. I agree. I do too. That was my note as well. <laughs> as soon as it cut around the, you know, the vehicle to them chewing gum, I'm like, well done. Good point. <laughs> also, Hank Azaria and Blonde X sneak down to the subway to go back into Manhattan. There was a weird beat right after that chewing gum thing, though, that John Renault struggles with the gears. Is it? Is there a stereotype that French people can't drive? I don't know either, because it's a regular old stick shift, and <laughs> outside of the U.S., more people are inclined to know how to drive stick. Like, I don't know what the fuck this is. Another great moment with Jean Renault happens right now, because uh, Jean Renault has to impersonate Elvis to get them past a security checkpoint. <laughs> I would have really liked this if he didn't have to explain that he was doing Elvis? Yeah, but do you know how dumb the target audience of this movie is, John? Yes, I do, because this is the audience that I have had to keep reminding an island is surrounded by water. <laughs> and will continue to do so. The average fish that you see flopping around in this movie, same IQ as the target audience member. Also, they call the guard sir, and no officer is fucking pulling guard duty, so that's when he immediately knew that they were not in the actual military. They got caught, and the whole world died because of Godzilla. But no, they let him through. Um, O'Neill is setting up another fish trap in Central Park, because it'll work twice, definitely. Hank Azari and Blonde X, they, they find Matthew Broderick and the French in the tunnels. So Hank Azaria and Blonde X, they find... Matthew Broderick and the Frenchies in the distance. Well, they, like, they're all in the tunnels, but like they're standing way back from them. But Godzilla busts through the wall, so Matthew Broderick and the Frenchies have to duck into like a big open pipe and struggle to turn off their flashlights. And all I'm thinking is, turn the light off, turn the light off. All I'm thinking is, and the whole thing collapses and it's over! Yay! Godzilla babies win. <laughs> And right before everything collapses, a dog jumps into the tunnel to safety. <laughs> 
And the Godzilla doesn't go around corners. Godzilla can't go around corners. <laughs> just science. But animal can duck. Uh, also, Hank Azaria and Blonde X barely get out of the way as Godzilla makes his way back to the surface. Uh, somebody once again calls not an officer O'Neill Sir again and tells him that Godzilla is coming. Godzilla comes out, doesn't immediately attack. He kind of sees the lights, he sees the fish. Kind of remembers what happened last time. Yeah, I have a couple of things I bring up here. What's the point in all these machine guns when they clearly do nothing? Makes you feel good. Makes you feel like you're doing something. (laughs) I'm helping. And the second is, no way would these soldiers be this disciplined. (laughs) One jackass would fire a bullet. Well, I think, like, I don't know whether it's in this seat or, like, another seat, but, like, at some point, one soldier just gets down, like, from his perch and just runs away. I mean, according to every movie ever, yeah, there's that one person who's nervous and squeezes off around or lets loose an arrow or whatever the hell. But I don't have the real-world experience to comment on your blatant assertion. (laughs) But, yeah, this is an action movie by Roland Emmerich. How is someone not, like, just losing their damn mind and firing? I don't even know. But, yeah, so he doesn't attack the humans. The humans start attacking him. They still suck at missiles because they miss. That's why they're called that. (laughs) Oh, missiles. I get it. Good job. It's not because they're female. They're far too (laughs) penisy. And somehow they miss all the helicopters and all the helicopters doing evasive maneuvers. None of them crash into each other. Helicopters are also cold. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Can't get a heat-seeking missile at luck. They dipped them in the water that surrounds the island, you see. (laughs) My note here is there are way too many helicopters flying so close together. Like, there's no ways. There's, there's no, no ways way. they don't crash yeah. into each other. This is dumb. Godzilla jumps into the Hudson where there are submarines waiting for him. How deep is the Hudson? I just want to know. I think the Hudson around New York, like Manhattan, because it's, it's got varying depths. Because it's Of course. But yeah. I think around Manhattan, I read somewhere, it's like 60 to 80 feet. Cool. Submarines. Got it. <laughs> submarines motherfucker yep second of all they would come with warships not with submarines that is that is not i feel like they'd come with a bunch of different things they wouldn't yeah i'm not just submarines they did they came with just submarines so we could have a submarine scene we needed like a change of venue but how else are they going to get into the tunnels from the river There's a bunch of navy shit happening, or I, 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 there's either I, there's probably a bunch of stuff wrong with this that I just didn't give a fuck about being a military nerd about. But one thing I will mention, and it's probably because Roland Emmerich watched way too much Dust Boot, but they fire some torpedoes at Godzilla, the one of the submarines, and the captain takes out like a pocket stopwatch, like an analog stopwatch, and times the missile, like the the time to impact. How else are they going to calculate Godzilla's travel speed? You have to hear the echo from when the first and the second torpedo make contact. I, I still are curious how Godzilla knows what this torpedo is, because he lures the torpedo to another submarine, <laughs> uses the other submarine as a blocker radioactive instincts <laughs> jesus this is so dumb yeah this scene is a pile of dumb <laughs> but i do also want to add that you know when the submarine uh, blows up and they cut back to the outpost where the mayor is in the background and they say we lost one of the submarines the mayor does this incredible reaction of oh no that's terrible and immediately changes to oh well let's see what happens next <laughs> 
beautiful, quick transition of acting, which I love. Um, so they eventually shoot some torpedoes, and the, it hits him this time. It finally hits Godzilla. I, I, I thought this was another going to be another premature celebration scene from Roland Emmerich, like an Independence Day. But no, they actually do hit Godzilla. And, and he's dead. Yes. Yeah, yeah into- movie's over. Yay! Let's, let's clarify that right now. He is, he is 100% dead. We see the body. Everyone's got their attention on the body of Godzilla. There is no way that he's not dead. Just want to say that. Talk is cheap, Jules. <laughs> my, my note here is, yeah, Godzilla sinks into the depths of the Hudson River, which is just around 100 feet in the vicinity of Manhattan. <laughs> so clearly we've lost him. He's lost him. A couple more fathoms down. And I mean, that's just as good as laying in the street when helicopters are passing by. <laughs> So cut to Matthew Broderick and the Frenchies discovering the underground entrance to Madison Square Garden. <laughs> like there's a the, the hole that Godzilla made. They go in there. Hank Azaria, you know, with blonde X trails behind, and Hank Azaria is very pissed off that Godzilla destroyed Madison Square Garden. Now let me let me put something in, into perspective here. A giant lizard has smashed through numerous buildings, killed numerous people. But this is what pisses you off. Well, yeah, you don't mess with the garden. You don't trash the garden. Yeah, this is where the rangers play. People died. <laughs> yeah, but sports. <laughs> but sports. <laughs> you know how much John and I care about that's sports. That's right. <laughs> More than I care about people, that still tracks. <laughs> well, we knew about your nephews. We didn't realize it was all people as well. True. <laughs> how many times? How much more clear can I be with the phrase "I hate people"? John is secretly Godzilla. Just try to eat fish and lay eggs. Like you motherfuckers, are the ones just running around my feet. I'm just busy impregnating myself. All right. <laughs> I take going and fucking myself really seriously. I'm Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they find Godzilla's eggs, and there's no fucking like the way these eggs are laid. It's physically fucking. How- But given the size of Godzilla and the fact that, like, the roof of Madison Square Garden is not caved in, how the fuck did Godzilla get eggs out of his butt onto the ground? (laughs) This is why the giant subterranean tunnel to make a hole in the bottom of Madison Square Garden, that's where he comes in. So Godzilla squatted over that hole (laughs) and knocked the eggs out and then arranged them around the arena, you see. Each one of these was strategically placed by his tiny T-Rex arms. That's what I'm saying. Yes, that is the only fucking way, because he could not have, like, naturally pooped them in place. Yeah, he physically, like, picked them up and put them in and arranged them (laughs) in Madison Square Garden. It's just science. One of the Frenchies turns on the lights and, oh, no, the whole stadium is full of eggs. Ah, scary. They walk up on them, and Matthew Barrick is like, oh, there's only three. I thought there'd be more. And then they literally look to the left where other people have gone, and there's at least 20 right there, right next to them. <laughs> Very poor passive perception on this party, I must say. Matthew Broderick, you know, because he's a scientist, he's the only one allowed to count. Yeah, you, you can't leave that to someone who's not a professional. <laughs> uh, so the French start planting bombs, but uh, no, they don't have enough. 
to blow up all the eggs. I think that's what was he said. So Hank Azaria and Blondex show up from the hole in the ground and start filming. And he listens to an egg and they start hatching and literally nobody has the inappropriate reaction to these fucking eggs hatching. Nobody! My note was someone call Hammond because, you know, he's got to be there for the birth of everything. <laughs> Sam Neill keeps wanting to be imprinted upon. Exactly. He's pointing to himself. God, so much of this. Like, it's not just the way these things move. It's not just the way they look it's the way shots are composed they so wanted to be jurassic park they so wanted to be jurassic park but nobody starts freaking out immediately when these fucking like human-sized godzilla monsters start coming out of these eggs nobody's like oh fuck we gotta go gotta go gotta go they're like well that's interesting well gee i wasn't expecting them to hatch so soon <laughs> they challenge ron weasley for some great standing around it's fantastic there is some fantastic standing around yes and did you notice that these uh baby godzillas had sound effects that i'm pretty sure were taken from the tauntauns from empire strikes back <laughs> I think some of them might have. But yeah, Matthew Broderick and John Renault realized that they smell like the fish. How did they get fishy smelled? Who the fuck knows? The movie needs that. John Renault's like, I think we should leave now. Finally, I think we should leave now. And Matthew Broderick's like, I think we should too, very casually. I also want to point out that if they smell like the fish from literally just walking close to fish then surely the other babies should smell like fish too and they should eat each other. I'll say everything should smell like fish at this point, yeah. <laughs> My question here is, besides about the fish smell transient properties, why do these mini Godzillas not immediately start attacking these walking meat sticks? Why don't they set off the explosives? Because one of them literally has one in its mouth. Well, the explosives don't smell like fish. <laughs> uh, my note here is uh, this is when Jean Renault and uh, Matthew Broderick were immediately swarmed and killed by these mini Godzillas in the movie end. I have they no longer smelled like fish. They smelled like fish and their own piss and shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they don't get swarmed and eaten here. They escape into the hallway. Uh, one of the Frenchies gets munched before he can detonate the bombs. There's like a, a detonation console that he was not able to, to set off in time. And this is also where Hank Azaria and Blonde X get surrounded and munched by Godzilla monsters. And by munched, you mean... We'll stand here and film them for a while. Yeah, we'll film them for a while. No, they they get to run through a line of baby Godzillas and survive. <laughs> yeah, so the mayor wants the military to open up because Godzilla is obviously dead. And now this is the only point of the redheaded scientist lady because she convinces Kevin Dunn to go look for the nest. She doesn't really though. I mean, it does. Well, I mean, it doesn't really affect the plot except that the military doesn't. I say it doesn't even matter because they finally reveal it in the broadcast. Yeah. Well, no, they're going to, but like he st orders the sweep for the nest now. Right. But it doesn't matter. Right. Yes. Yes. For the narrative, <laughs> it doesn't matter. But yeah. All it's there for is so that the mayor can give us a you don't have the authority to do that cliche. Yeah. You don't have the authority. And Kevin Dunn's like, try and stop me. And it's like, you're Kevin Dunn. I'm going to stop you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but Kevin Dunn in this scene also orders a sweep of the city and the subways. You know that thing that is likely going to take days, if not weeks? <laughs> Considering all the new holes that fucking Godzilla has torn They Manhattan. just have to go around playing Find the Fish. That's all. <laughs> 
Uh, so Mac at Madison Square Garden, uh, Jean Reno is barricading doors and tells Matthew Broderick to call the military and tell them it's a code dragonfly, so they'll bomb the building. Because the U.S. military is totally going to attack an American building because a French spy told them to. No, because Matthew Broderick told them to. Big difference. Yeah. A French spy told Matthew Broderick to tell the military the secret code that he would have no way of knowing. <laughs> so clearly this is not suspicious at all. A guy that recently got fired yes. for revealing secrets to the press yes. is going to give orders to the American military. Well, he's going to know the magic words, so they have to. It's just That's just in the rule book. He's going to give an order to Kevin Dunn. <laughs> sure, he's the American military's representative for some reason, but... Yeah. So Matthew Broderick first tries to call on a cell phone but all circuits are busy so he tries to get on a payphone because maybe the circuits will be less busy on the fucking payphones <laughs> it's one number ed and it's busy what do you want to fire truck matthew Broderick literally <laughs> says i can't get through i don't know what's wrong the circuits are fucking busy you idiot that's what's wrong the machine just told you this hey he's a biologist <laughs> i don't care this is a machine. So the two surviving Frenchies come in, and Jean Reno's like, where's uh, Jean-Jacques and Jean-Pierre? And I'm like, this movie couldn't think of two French names that didn't both start with Jean. <laughs> so Jean Reno tells Matthew Broderick that he's going to have to go get help while the Frenchies hold them off with, as Jules and I have mentioned previously, MP5 submachine guns <laughs> against he literally hundreds of fucking velociraptor monsters. That's the plan. That's the fucking plan. None of them brought a grenade. None of them brought anything. Nothing. They brought nothing. They brought pea shooters. They might as well have just brought fucking spears. Jesus. So, Hank Azaria and Blonde X escape the locker room that they've been in through the vents because this movie needs to be a complete and utter ripoff of Jurassic Park. No shit! You need to escape the Velociraptor monsters through the fucking vents. Then, of course, the non-Jean Renault Frenchies get munched. And how does Matthew Broderick not get munched when he opens these doors? Like, he opens some doors? Because uh, the Godzilla baby, this is a very... This is a feature of them. They're cunning, as we'll find out later. Decides that the best way of hunting its prey is to roar in its general direction and then back off. Yes, um, that's apparently their instinct. Uh, cunning. Very cunning. <laughs> so cunning that... They also have a great appreciation for comedic timing, especially with elevator doors. <laughs> yeah, so basically Matthew Broderick doesn't get swarmed and munched while waiting for an elevator. And then when one of the Godzilla babies puts its head through the elevator door, he's able to just kick it out and not get munched in the elevator. Yeah, and of course, as you guys were foreshadowing comedic timing, he gets to another floor and there's just Godzilla babies eating stadium popcorn, which... Does that smell like fish too? Yeah. Uh, they're growing boys. They're growing boys. They're going to eat anything. There's no Rangers game and there's just popped popcorn that just happens to be around. That stuff does get stored, to be honest. This God, this Godzilla baby scene is brought to you by oh Popeye's popcorn. <laughs> yeah. And a, again, the movie thinks it's funny. Uh, he sees the Godzilla babies and he's like, wrong floor. Ding. Elevator false scare with Jean Renault and. Matthew Broderick, because, you know, we see the popcorn, you're like, oh shit, did Matthew Broderick get munched? Did that Godzilla baby get in the elevator? No, it's it's just 
Matthew Broderick, and John Renault does not stop pointing his gun at him for several seconds after identifying that it's him. He just keeps his MP5 pointed at Matthew Broderick. You got to make sure he's telling the truth. He could be a baby Godzilla in disguise. You don't know that. <laughs> he's in a, he's in a, he's been in the secret service. So H- Hank Azaria and Blonde X fall out of the vents and Jean Renault breaks Hank Azaria's camera for no fucking reason. No witnesses. It's yeah. He doesn't want to be on the camera, but okay. Yeah. But the, ugh, maybe. Okay. Then I'll accept it. Uh, uh, I, I don't want to give this movie any more credits. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew Broderick and Blonde X recognize each other, and they need to get a message out. So Blonde X tells them that they can use the broadcast booth to get a message out. How does Hank Azaria not get much by mini Godzillas trying to get the tape out of his camera? He doesn't get the tape out of his camera, so fuck it. <laughs> Blonde X just happens to know where the broadcast booth is. It's never established that she's actually like helped cover the Rangers games. She just knows. And Hank Azaria doesn't remember the door code to get into the booth, so Jean Renault just shoots it open. And then they get a message to network switchboard guy um, to put make put them live. At least the movie knows how fucking going live works, unlike Scream. <laughs> like true. it knows that you need somebody at the network to put you live as opposed to you just being able to go live. So I will give this is the one bit of credit I will give them continue to give the movie. But it's immediately ruined by her thinking that she's going to be let on live. Just by saying, just trust me. (laughs) Yes. The magic words that give you everything you want in life is, just trust me. The person who's not a reporter (laughs) and has never done a news segment (laughs) is now like, hey, I'm in this place that's supposed to be evacuated. And once again, relies on the power of, come on. But it doesn't work on him. Hank, because Hank Azaria has to be like, yo, br- uh, switchboard guy zooms in on the fucking babies in the in the stadium. We're, this is where we're at. And the guy's like, OK, OK, I, I can do this. So the people at the military base see the news broadcast. So does Hank Azaria's wife. Uh, Blonde X is going to show her power as a woman by letting a man do most of the talking. <laughs> She's overcome sexism by deferring to a man. Wow. Because Matthew Broderick does most of the talking. He's going to mansplain the fuck out of this scene. (laughs) She does the reporter thing of, we are here with an expert. Yeah, and then holds the microphone for him to speak into. Well, uh, Matthew Broderick explains that if the mini Godzillas get out, they're going to multiply and become the dominant species on the planet. Um, Also mentions that they're all born pregnant, and how in the motherfuck does he know this? (laughs) And he also calls them cunning, which clearly, based on what we've seen thus far, they are not. I have been more cunning while absolutely fucking wasted. They're more cunning than human babies, I'll give them that. (laughs) So yeah, she's like, you know, you gotta bomb this place, uh, don't worry about us, you gotta save the species. Um, yeah, so despite the fact that she just lets a man do all the talking, gets a lot of Atta girls from Hank Azaria and co, Kevin Dunn orders the airstrike, and then, god, this movie and technology, uh, lets them know by, via priority urgent email message that it worked and that they need to get out. I do have to say though. I kind of love the line, you know, let me spell it out for you. I want you to blow up Madison Square Garden. 
I'm kind of curious what he said prior to that. (laughs) (laughs) Meant he had to add that line afterwards. He's like stumbling to find the words. I want you to. uh, What's the name of the place? Ah, it's it's the stadium. There's a stadium in New York City. I need it to be evacuated from the situation. I need it, uh... sir. We don't have stadiums in the situation room. I'm sorry. Where are you? But this is this doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know the place, the Rangers play. You gotta blow it. Up. <laughs> Let me spell it out for you. <laughs> Central Park. I don't know. I mean, we already shot missiles at Central Park. <laughs> We've got the Flatiron Building and the Chrysler Building. I mean, what's left on the list? There can't be that much left. I mean, we're on an island surrounded by water. <laughs> <laughs> this is my new catchphrase. Fun fact about Madison Square Garden: In the 30s, the American Nazi Party held a giant fucking rally there. Nazi, Nazi Godzilla. Godzilla That's why Godzilla wanted that he wanted to be where the Nazis were. <laughs> we just lost all our New York City listeners if we had any. <laughs> all one of them. Yes. Uh yeah, hey New York, you were the epicenter of the American Nazi Party in the 1930s. Enjoy that. They were. Uh so yeah. Well, somewhere had to be. Yeah, but you wouldn't think New York. Like, of all the places in the world, if, they, if you told me that it was, like, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, you'd be like, okay, makes sense. But this is New York fucking city. <laughs> so, yeah, how does the fucking switchboard guy know that the military's going to do an airstrike? Go fuck yourself, audience member. Because he's monitoring the broadcast that they're sending, and he's relaying it out, which clearly means he can track everyone who's watching it as well. Ugh. <laughs> Well, anyways, they got six minutes to get out of Madison Square Nazi Park, and the Godzilla, mini Godzilla start breaking in, so Jean Reno shoots the glass out of the the recording booth, throws a spool of wire out so they can rappel down, and uh, Matthew Broderick notices that they've eaten all the fish, oh no. Now they're now they got the taste for human flesh because fish and popcorn. Also, if your popcorn tastes fishy, stop eating your popcorn. Stop dipping your testicles in your popcorn would be my advice. If your testicles give things a fishy flavor, go see your doctor. Go see your doctors and or take a long ass shower and scrub yourself. Sorry, I need to go vomit a little bit after that one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so. how did John Renault not notice that Hank Azaria had taken a camera out of the broadcast room? Well, yeah, go fuck yourself. Some Scooby-Doo shenanigans. It's fucking Benny Hill shenanigans. It's... This is some Benny Hill shit about, like, running down the wrong hallway. Oh, my God. Yeah, we're knocking over gumball machines so that they'll slip. And he stops to watch it. I was, like, half expecting him to do another Kodak photo of it. I do appreciate where they're kind of running. They're like, this way, this way. No, not that way. You know, and they start coming back. Like, one of them slides into view. (laughs) It's just so stupid. I love that part, though. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That moment. Just take those old records off the shelf. Yes! Get a little risky business up in this bitch. <laughs> Mutated Velociraptor and some tidy whities. That's giving you a little shimmy and a shake. This is something we need to add to our promo art as well. That is a fucking t-shirt. <laughs> little baby Godzilla do it. Fuck it. <laughs> I'm just going to keep adding it until I break, John. I'm going to my island. You'll never find me. (laughs) So yeah, as we mentioned, Matthew Broderick thwarts the baby Godzillas with 
basketballs and uh, not gumballs like 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 those power like those really super bouncy balls i think that's what was in there um they were way too big to be gumballs there, there were a few different things of various sizes that was not so they they think they're about to escape out the front of the stadium however there's like hundreds of fucking baby godzillas um not just strolling through the front door which we know is a thing that can happen as we'll see just now and this movie can go fuck itself with a leaf blower for how they get the fuck past with the power of chandeliers <laughs> with the power oh my god so to get the baby godzillas to move out of the way jean renault shoots the chandeliers in the entrance hall and crashes them down so they have to like go with the the chandeliers crashing because the baby godzillas jump out of the way and eventually get close enough to the front door to run out. By the way, just it's one of those like push bar doors that the baby Godzilla's absolutely could have opened. <laughs> John Renault fucking barricades it with his fucking machine submachine gun. <laughs> <laughs> and they get out just in time for the military to blow up fucking Madison Square Garden. <laughs> it's so stupid. I do have to ask as well, you know the pilot of the F-18, and he sa- he says when he's about to fire missiles, save your mavericks? Is there a Top Gun reference in that? I think that's a bit of a Top Gun <laughs> reference, but I think he was doing like what um, Will Smith was doing in Independence Day, where he was like, all right, knights, because like, like, that's like they're the Black Knight Squadron, so I think the mavericks, they were like Maverick Squadron or whatever, so they're all mavericks. Uh, but yeah but I think they were doing a Top Gun reverence because they're all Mavericks Uh and then after the explosion just some random bricks get thrown on a cab bricks get thrown on a cab yes after the explosion how would you depict such you know immense destruction and carnage (laughs) what better way than a few bricks on a cab. <laughs> Don't focus too much on those bricks on a cab because... A basketball bounces. <laughs> oh, we are not done with basketballs, my friend. <laughs> this fucking compels Matthew Broderick and Blonde X to start making out. As one does. And I have in big block letters, fuck you, movie. This is fucking stupid. Hey, I wa- hey, I'd tell you one thing. I wanted Hank Azaria and John Renault to make out right when they... Right? <laughs> they kind of have this look for the briefest of moments, and then John Renault clearly has a don't you fucking try it look <laughs> on his face. <laughs> <laughs> and so Hank just... Hank Azaria just tries to make casual conversation. <laughs> it's like, he, he, wants, he wants to say, my wife's been abusing me for years, but... Look, I just really could use some human contact in this moment of stress. But and again, because we're not done with coffee jokes, Jean Renault's like, I could use a coffee. So, uh, haha. And then from the wreckage of Madison Square Garden emerges Godzilla, because fuck you. That is 100% what I re- I went on a massive rant. 11-year-old me called bullshit on this. <laughs> 11-year-old me. And he was an idiot, let me tell you. <laughs> but it, it's, nothing about this makes sense. I said at 11 years old, that is a different Godzilla. It's impossible for it to be the same Godzilla because that Godzilla was killed. He, he's just taking a nap. Yeah, you just got knocked out. I'm saying that this is a different Godzilla. This is the mate that we never saw. It doesn't reproduce asexually because that doesn't make any sense. Wait, are you telling me that the babies aren't born pregnant? Because I'm telling you that that one, the river, swept it out 
and then it had trouble finding the island because it's you see this island is a small speck in a large body of water <laughs> and it took a while to get back and that's why it took so long and then it had to check on its pregnant babies and when it found out that they'd been eating junk food like gumballs and popcorn it got all <laughs> pissed off and exploded out of a building <laughs> and you're telling me that doesn't make sense codswallop if you ask me <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, well, anyways, Godzilla has a sad over his dead babies and somebody says he looks angry. So run away. I'm sorry. Are you an expert on the emotional states and expressions of Godzilla? <laughs> Apparently. So they run away. Um, and again, nobody's eardrums get burst when Godzilla roars like right fucking next to them. Jean Renault starts a taxi with a fucking knife because again audience member you have not fucked yourself sufficiently for this goddamn movie for some reason my brain interpreted that as jean renault fights a taxi with a knife <laughs> and i was like that makes more sense than anything else i've seen i mean i kind of missed it but i want to see jean renault having a knife fight with a taxi <laughs> but i will say that this that this entire chase sequence it's a theme park ride. <laughs> it, it, this was written as a theme park ride and ended up in the movie. And a theme park ride that once again, because we're not done ripping off Jurassic Park, we have to do the, it gets close. It's like, it's getting larger as the, it chases them down a thing because they're ripping off the T-Rex chase scene from Jurassic Park. Every time I've seen this, I've been astonished that no one said must go faster. <laughs> I was waiting for it. At this point, I was waiting for it. Yeah, seriously. They drive at some point. They drive through Godzilla's mouth because, again, fuck you. Hey, and do you know what I really love in a movie when they shout out exactly what's happening to them? That, but I also love it when like the when characters argue about which road to take. Oh yeah, isn't that so great? The New Yorker uh, directions shtick that was going on in the back was uh, again this movie thinks it's really funny and it's not and eventually something scary happens they're like broadway take broadway and uh just lucky for them uh they drive past o'neill in his convoy and they throw the cabbie license at him that you have to like post in every new york cab no they drive past him first and godzilla stomps on them and they all die yes <laughs> and then just for good measure he spins around so that godzilla can stomp on them a second time <laughs> <laughs> it really grinds them into the into the <laughs> into the asphalt uh very representative of the audience experience in this movie <laughs> <laughs> this next bit is Fucking I mean, like, this is a movie full of stupid. It's a lot of stupid. <laughs> this next bit is particularly fucking stupid. And this movie thinks it's so fucking clever. So O'Neill and a soldier that calls him sir because sergeant um, breaks into a cap taxi dispatch so they can look up the specific radio frequency of the cab the rest of them are in so they can talk to them. I would like to add, though. I was a little bit happy about this moment because we get a bingo cliche for our movie cliche bingo card. Okay, which one is that? I didn't see Bill Cobb show up. <laughs> As he goes down to find the right cab number and he finds it, he goes, bingo. <laughs> bingo has to be on the bingo card. There's no fucking way that every single cab, there's like tens of thousands of cabs in New York City. You cannot have a custom bespoke fucking radio frequency for all of them. 
<laughs> they have to drive into a tunnel, the taxi people, to escape Godzilla, but it's blocked off because they blocked off all the fucking tunnels. And this is the one tunnel that Godzilla can't burrow through? <laughs> well, it's trying really hard. Yeah, he can't burrow through this one. He's trying to, like, grab inside or, like, jam its fucking face inside. He's not focusing on burrowing he's in like attack and munchies mode i thought this was the perfect place for him to hide so o'neill tells them on the radio that they need to get godzilla somewhere in the open so they can get a clear shot at him and i'm like his snout is in a fucking tunnel his ass is in the air yes he's literally in one spot he's not moving this is the time to attack him but no they're gonna lead him to the brooklyn bridge wait how how do they escape? Because, you know, it's... With shitty Chekhov's bright, flashy lights. Fuck this moment <laughs> with a sandy dildo. So while Nick is in the throes of agony, I will give a better answer to Jules's question. <laughs> they drive the cab straight towards Godzilla. And at the appropriate moment, Matthew Broderick, not Jean Renault, the tactician, Matthew Broderick, tells Jean Reno when to turn on the high beams to surprise Godzilla so that they can drive past him as he like removes his head from the tunnel in shock. <laughs> <laughs> this is not Gajira. Well, my pain is not over because they, they drive towards the Brooklyn Bridge, but they don't think that Godzilla's following them, but now he decides to do some tunneling, pops up in front of the ground in front of them. <laughs> Stealthzilla. Stealthzilla's in front of them. (laughs) They spin, try to like swerve and like drive the other way, but they end up like going in Godzilla's mouth. And instead of being crushed instantly, Matthew Broderick (laughs) takes an exposed cable and jams it in Godzilla's tooth so they can now drive out of Godzilla's (laughs) mouth. He has literally taken rockets to the face. But apparently he's just got a sensitive gum right at that position, maybe. Uh, he he no, he took some he took some tor- t- torpedoes. He ducked them. He ducked rockets. But he took some when he dove into the Hudson. Animals duck. Would you not duck? <laughs> if there were bullets flying at me, I would duck. I'm gonna quack my way out of this. <laughs> well, anyways, Godzilla. They drive over the Brooklyn Bridge. Godzilla gets tangled up in the suspension cables. Uh, taxi barely makes it to the other side. F-18s with magical respawning missiles, because like they were called back. These are the ones who bombed Madison Square Garden and shot all their ordnance. Magically respawn some missiles, shoot Godzilla to death. Well, not to death yet. They shoot him, fatally wound him. Quick question. Aren't the suspension cables on a suspension bridge important for holding the bridge up? Uh, (laughs) We're trying to get through this. Okay. All right. Fine. We have to point it out because, yes, it it destroys Brooklyn Bridge, another beautiful landmark in New York City. And the bridge does not collapse. (laughs) Matthew Broderick and Godzilla have like an eye lock moment right before Godzilla collapses. They kind of like, you know. I wanted to fade to a flowery field where they're running towards each other in slow motion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Matthew Broderick gets up close to Godzilla because he's a fucking idiot with a death wish uh, to watch the green light go out of Godzilla's eyes as they close. And uh, yeah, I was waiting for the line. uh, It wasn't the planes. It was the worm guy that killed the beast. (laughs) (laughs) 
So the the second star of the film, Rain, starts up again. Why not? <laughs> this is a very rainy movie. It is a very rainy we movie. Yeah, gone through about a fleet of fire trucks worth of water. Yep. Everyone starts cheering across the across the city. Uh, Hank Azaria's wife is really happy, but she's so happy she's gonna kill him. Redhead. Scientist lady kisses other scientist dude and immediately regrets it because he's not a particularly attractive man. And uh, the mayor's campaign chief quits because the mayor wants to exploit the story for his campaign. And in case you hadn't gotten that Siskel and Ebert subtlety, here's what I think of you and gives him a thumbs down. This movie thought it was so clever. Uh, Hell of a job, O'Neill, is what Kevin Dunn radios to Sergeant O'Neill. Yeah, because his taxi radio idea really did the trick. <laughs> so yeah, so the, the the press mobs Matthew Broderick, but he's only going to give his exclusive to another reporter, Blonde X. And it's like, hey, motherfucker, she was there for the entire fucking thing, and it's just as much her goddamn story as it is yours. As a matter of fact, she could get fucking interviewed about what just happened. Also... Not a reporter. Still not a reporter. But does believe this is going to be a great time to quit her job. <laughs> and yeah, bumps into Harry Shearer. She quits. And I don't know if I forget what she did. I just have in big letters. Fucking goddamn. She's a terrible actress. She's just really fucking bad. No, it was just one of those like, I quit. Like, that was it. And also Hank Azaria, because Hank Azaria has been filming this whole time. Uh, he notices that the tape's missing out of the camera. And that's when Jean Renault calls Matthew Broderick from a payphone to tell him he'll send the tape to Hank Azaria and co. Once he removes a few things from it. And Matthew Broderick's like, I understand. And Jean Renault walks out of the phone booth, puts on some sunglasses as Rage Against the Machine plays, and flies <laughs> off into the sky. <laughs> that would have been cool. <laughs> and then we get the uh, dumbest sequel bait in the history of cinema. We go back inside. This movie thinks it's getting a sequel. <laughs> I know. Isn't that a adorable that this movie thought it was going to get a sequel. Fucking adorable. And yeah, by the way, because we go back to Madison Square Garden where there are flaming basketballs on a fucking ball rack. And one egg that apparently survived the bombing in a place... Well, we, we've dealt why you know, how Godzilla placed the eggs. But a mini Godzilla hatches out and roars into camera. And thank God this movie's fucking over. It's done. This is presumably the creature that starred in the Saturday morning cartoon. So we got it. We got a good uh, amount of music because uh, Puff Daddy asked us all to come with him. Um, <laughs> yes. A circle jerk preceded this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, Puff Daddy did do a, a song for this. There's a whole music video. It is fucking ridiculous. Go look for it on YouTube, audience. I had never seen it before until we were talking about this. I completely forgot this song even existed because most of it, you know, is not original music. But <laughs> yeah, I saw this video for the first time a couple weeks ago and just, wow. It's a Led Zeppelin song that he, he puts as a bass track. So it's like, yeah, I mean, at least they got credited. And that's Godzilla. And before we go, as millennials, we know that every movie and TV show, even pieces of shit like this, have a moral. So, Jules, what did you learn today? We need to stop overfishing the oceans, because sooner or later, we're going to catch a giant irradiated sea dragon. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say we need to stop overfishing now so that we will have enough to lure a giant sea dragon into a trap. <laughs> <later>. <laughs> 
he took that in a different direction. Yeah, Godzilla preparedness kit. It's just this giant warehouse filled with fish. And John, what did you learn? I learned that before building my nest by burrowing through concrete, I need to make sure I find an island surrounded by water. <laughs> <laughs> And I learned that I need to change my name now so I can't be associated with this goddamn piece of shit movie. (laughs) That was so many times I just wanted to say the character Nick and just watch you get redder and redder. Matthew Broderick's character's name is Nick and I can't be Nick anymore because otherwise I'll have a connection to this fucking film. And before we go, we of course need to tell you what we're doing next time. So John, what do the folks at home have to look forward to? Uh, We're going to revisit the wonderful world of TV once more with 90s classic powerhouse sitcom friends and you're gonna have a lot of warner brothers tour guide stories from me for that oh boy and john do you have a review to get everyone excited for friends i do this comes from the washington post from 1994 friends comes across like a 30 minute commercial for dockers or ikea or light beer except it's smuttier. <laughs> One character says he dreamed he had a telephone for a penis and when it rang quote it turns out it's my mother and this is in the first Five minutes. Friends is more a scripted talk show than a sitcom. You keep waiting for Sally Jesse or some other cluck to interrupt the jabbering. The show is so bad that Sally Jesse would actually come as a relief. Score of zero. Wow. I'll be there for you. Washington Post won't. <laughs> and that's our show. If you liked it, please subscribe. If you loved it, please share it with all your friends. And whether you liked it or loved it, we'd appreciate it if you gave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can to help others find us. Also, be sure to like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Links to all of that are in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Millennial Rewind. <laughs>